Hello, welcome back to the Book of Medora. It's me, Crystal. With me, as always, is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Last we left off, the imprisoning war had ended. Uh Uh-huh. And we had um, skipped over approximately one million billion years (laughs) to get started in on the five-year gap. No. (laughs) We need to go back. Oh, yes. we, We have to go further back. We have uh, logged a few things in the interim. Yes, because our listeners may not know this, but Crystal and Monica and I continue to talk about Zelda stuff sometimes when the when the microphone isn't rolling. We never stop. Would you find this a fair characterization, Crystal? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, the first thing I have tabulated is actually <laughs> back to Raru and Sonia. What? I thought we were going to... Yeah, okay, sure. Okay. The baby, or the absence thereof. Right, okay. Now, Crystal, as we've talked about this, you've had two sticking points with the story of Tears of the Kingdom and how it fits in with the rest of the Zelda body of work. Yes. Would you mind telling the audience about them? Zelda has a blood connection to Sonya. This is what Sonya says. Yes. But I do not know... By what means this is. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's the other one? Uh, Ganon. Oh, yeah, Ganon. Where did he come from? Where, if Ocarina of Time happens after this, where'd that Ganon come from? You know, as one assumes it would happen after this. <laughs> These are two very big things. Crystal, which would you like to address first? Let's talk about the baby. The baby. I liked what you pointed out, Crystal, which was... If there was a baby, there would be a baby in a cutscene. There would have to be. Or at least discussions about Zelda playing with the baby. We would know the baby. Yeah, we would know the baby. There's no phantom baby where it's like, oh, is there a baby? I don't think there's a baby. I'm team no baby. Okay. I'm I'm not opposed to there being no baby, but then we must explain how there is the blood connection. Okay. So, Crystal, do you... This is, of course, a problem that you've brought up, the problem of the blood connection in absence of a baby. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, it, is there any idea that you have for how that blood connection could still work? Sonia made vials of blood like Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh, no. And okay. um, every queen must have the Sonia blood injected. That's a lot of blood. <laughs> you only need a little bit. A little bit goes huh. a long way. <laughs> Maybe um, Hylia was making blood covenants with her priestesses, but then when she incarnated as a human, she didn't have to keep doing that. 
Sonia is the high priestess. Sonia is, as far as we can tell, the high priestess. The queen of Hyrule is kind of like a high priestess. Mm-hmm. She has explicitly religious duties. Yes. Such as? Such as uh, praying at the springs and gathering sacred power and sealing the calamity. Right, yes. So it kind of seems like the role of the queen has a connection to the role of the ancient high priestess, which was a, 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 a role that you are born into. Yes? Yes. Yes, it is a bloodline of high priestesses. Okay, so there is a bloodline of high priestesses. I still don't know where the blood connection comes in. <laughs> I think if we think about it, so Hylia reincarnated into a human, but the human being human had to come from somewhere. And a logical place for her to insert herself is into the bloodline of her high priestess. Oh, okay. So, so you're saying that um, Gaipora is a descendant of Sonia? Yes. Yes, I guess. Okay. I mean, that, I guess that sort of stands to reason. Yes, unless he married into that, I don't know. I, but this this operates under a very important assumption, um, and I think that it needs to be clarified for our listeners. The assumption being that uh, Sonia is not the last of her line. Yeah. Now, th- there are a couple of ways that can work. Um, one of them, maybe she had a child before she married Raru, and they're being taken care of somewhere else. Like, uh, they're, they're, they're in the country where most of her family lives. Or, perhaps, it simply comes from her sisters or cousins, who are still part of the bloodline of the High Priestess, but would not, like, those would be the actual ancestors of Zelda. Yeah, I think both work, and we don't know one way or the other, but I think it's telling that it's plausible and accepted by the the ancient kingdom that Zelda came from Sonya's distant relatives, meaning she has relatives. And she is also a priestess. Because nobody questions because nobody questions the stuff that Zelda can do or that she looks like Sonya or that sort of thing. Yeah, agree. But is that a blood connection? Like I am I connected to my cousins? Yeah, would you say that you have a blood connection? <laughs> yes. You are blood connected to your nephew. Yes, my my sister's son is absolutely my blood because she is my blood. Okay, but they, they never use the word direct descendant, do they? No, no, no it's always blood connection. Blood Which connection. is kind of a cop out, like so nebulous as it could be anything. Well, I think that's important because this is a story that deals with spans of time so vast that yeah. you have to say that. Fair enough. Especially because so, this Hyrulean bloodline is broken several times. I, I, I guess an important thing here, Crystal, we, we agree that Hyrule didn't simply cease to exist after Sonya and Raru died. Yeah. There was, a, a, the first dynasty lasted for like 20 years, and okay. then there was another dynasty. Who who do you think founded the second dynasty? Oh, I think it was probably not, didn't happen immediately. I think there was probably a rule of the Sheikah or the priestess class for some time. Eventually, now you say- there was a monarchy you- again. You say the Sheikah. Can, can you expand on that? Who are the Sheikah at this point in time? I think that the Chamberlain is first Impa. Oh, and that interesting. After, after the um, the whole Zelda turning into a dragon incident, they they reorganized themselves as the Sheikah we know and love with the Tear logo. The Chamberlain does note, I think, in the closing uh, transcript that 
she will dedicate her life because Zelda has dedicated her life. You'll have to excuse that noise in the background. Mochi is whooping the shit out of their digging box, just tossing it all over the place. It's a box that's four times bigger than he is. And he's trying to flip it, not very successfully. Um, but yeah, that sounds like a very, very tenable Sheikah origin. Yeah. So the idea is that the Sheikah look at what happened to Zelda, or more specifically, what happened to Sonya. Because if Impa had been, if Skyward Sword Impa had been there, uh, Ganondorf would not have snuck up on Sonya that way. Yeah, I don't think Sonya had bodyguards. Which implies that the Sheikah, as they were, didn't exist in Hyrule. Yes, that's right. So we now have a pretty solid Sheikah timeline. Okay, so the Sheikah probably came into existence around here, which would place this well long before the backstory of Skyward Sword. Yes. Okay, so we've got that established. And Crystal, I've, I've, I've been thinking about this, and if Sonya's family, her blood relatives, the priestesses of Hylia, come from a faraway place, it got me to thinking that the people identified as Hyruleans in the Age of Legends during the backstory of Tears of the Kingdom, they're not native to this land. They are from somewhere else. So you think it's sort of like the Egyptian, the, the late Egyptian dynasties where they were all Greek and stuff? Well, no, because that dynasty already existed. I'm saying this is a very simple colonialism. Mm. I think that the Hylians came over from a distant land. And uh, Crystal, you know how one of Sonya's things is she can always find Raru? Yes. I think that Raru touched down in the land that would become Hyrule, and Sonya met him there. With a sensor? Yeah, basically. Hmm. With her ability to tell the future. Because, like, if we talk about this, we, we talk about the idea of the Sheikah existing to protect the Hyrulean queen, or the high priestess of Hylia. And that makes me think, well, maybe, and just to, uh, just so that we're clear with our listeners and not trying to obfuscate anything, we have talked about this already in text form and the line chat that we share. But I think that um, the existence of the Sheikah to protect the queen also highlights a possible pattern with the Hyrulean kings, which is best illustrated by Rome and Raru, because Rome was a simple man. He was a woodcutter. He was a soldier, always more comfortable, like sitting out in the middle of the woods and cutting down trees than he was doing affairs of state or trying to raise a daughter that had powers that he couldn't understand. That stressed him out like crazy. It did. Yes. And he failed spectacularly, but it's a, it's a task he was never made for in the first place. His only real failing is taking it on, which is an enormous fuck up. But Raru's kind of the same way, right? Because he'd much rather be out drinking beer and hunting. Yes. So it's, and we came to the conclusion together that it's possible that all Hyrulean kings are like that. They're selected by the line of the Hyrulean queens, partially for romance, but primarily because they're the strongest person and most loyal who can be more or less set up to protect the queen. And that would frame Link being set up as Zelda's bodyguard as a kind of courtship situation. It would, yes. Yay! Yes, Monica, this would mean that uh, in a lot of cases, Z-Link is codified into the Hyrulean royal family. I didn't even bring this on. I know. You two did this on your own. Yeah, we did. Yay! And that's why Zelda's a little frigid to Link at the beginning, because he's daddy's hand-picked boyfriend's. We all like one of those uh, 
arranged marriage plots. Yes. Also, <laughs> do we think that the knights should have any idea about what's going on, or should it mostly be secret to them? I think they would have to know. Would they? How There's would a they pattern. Not know? Oh, true. There is a pattern. <laughs> it's like, boy, uh, the queens sure do keep marrying their bodyguards. That also frames Link's behavior toward Zelda very interestingly, though. If you go back and see how remote he was to Zelda at the start, unsure how to behave toward her, it has a very different uh, texture to that courtship ritual. And also, it really changes the context of Mipha's reaction to finding out that Link was the person who was assigned Zelda's bodyguard. That's why she really wanted to lock him down first. That's true. Like, that's actually real. <laughs> so, like, no, 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 no. Get a different bodyguard. I've got, I see, see, I've got the armor here. So the king is always the the leader of the army and the manager of political affairs, while the queen manages the religious affairs. No, I actually think that the queen would also be running um, political affairs, uh, like in the case where the queen before Zelda would often go to Gerudo Town. Because, you know, not just because the king can't go to the Gerudo town, but because she's the person who carries the real authority. She's the one who would be forming treaties. She's the one who would be guaranteeing the protection of the goddess. And she's the one who would be uh, building a very, very, very close relationship with the, with the Gerudo chieftain. She's the actual monarch. Yes, but Sonia was not the one speaking to Ganondorf. Yes, I don't. I think that the shape of Hyrulean monarchy changed after the first dynasty, after the introduction of the blood of Hylia. The king fucked it up too bad. The king fucked it up too bad by failing to protect the queen. This is why Link doesn't talk. This is why Link doesn't talk. He keeps his mouth fucking <laughs> shut. I think it's. It could also be slightly nefarious. It's like, yeah, you'll get your kingdom that you'll definitely lead. For, for 20 years, and then uh, we're going to run things our way. And, and it's more that it's like when Sonya dies out, the rest of her family moves in. And Crystal, what do you make of the fact that Sonya and presumably the rest of her family look exactly, well, not exactly, but they look a great deal like Skyward Sword era Sheikah? Kind of seems like they might be Skyward Sword era Sheikah. So the original royal family um, would be... Well, not the original royal family, but the bloodline of the priestesses splits into two. That being the high priestess becoming queen or princess and the branch family becoming the Sheikah who are guardians of the queen. Right, because the Sheikah stayed on the surface and the Gaypora line went to the sky. Right. <laughs> you do love the concept of a branch family. I don't. I think it's one of the silliest things, but... I mean, it fits perfectly here. For those confused, I guess, think to Ace Attorney. Uh, I'm sure there's a big Venn diagram and it's nearly a circle. But yeah, I think most Zelda fans... Well, no, that's not true. Listeners to this podcast. Okay, listeners to this podcast, if you don't know what a branch family is, play the second game of the Ace Attorney series, Justice for All. Actually, don't. Um, or watch or read Fruits Basket. That'll tell you a lot. Or you could play Crusader Kings 3 to see the dangers of having too much family. <gasps> yeah. That one sounds fun. Crusader Kings 3 is basically the background of Tears of the Kingdom. Well, the second monarchy, the second dynasty. But it, it, that idea also frames like, it's true that every time something really, really, really bad happens in 
Hyrule, it's when the queen is notably dead. Yeah. Like, you you look at Link to the Past, no queen, but there is a king. You look at Minish Cap, no queen, but there is a king. You look at fucking Ocarina of Time, no queen, but there is a king. And that means that Ocarina of Time king fucked up too, because the queen and all of the Sheikah except for one died in the Unification War. What about Twilight Princess? Well, you're not wrong about that one. I don't but, know about that. Like, Zelda has not ascended to queen. Well, I mean, Midna, who's the actual Zelda of that game, <laughs> uh, she doesn't have any parents. No, she, like, her stepping up was what caused Gant, Gant, Zant. Zant to get a freak out because she was chosen to rule next. Oh, right. Yes, it's not hereditary. That makes sense, actually. Man, why are the Twily so much more in, uh, in keeping with how things ought to be run? Where you pick a monarch according to the consent of the people. Well, I don't know. Their system did create the whole Zant issue. I mean, Zant (laughs) specifically overthrew their system with the power of the Dark God. Yeah, but that's because he was aggrieved about not being chosen, which means there was a possibility that he could have been chosen. He would have been a shitty, shitty ruler. I mean, yeah, there was a possibility that he could be chosen, but that's just the danger of elections, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's still better than hereditary monarchy. I don't think the Zelda series bears that out. That might be true in real life. <laughs> I think the Zelda Actually, series I'm not sure is that very real... clearly pro-hereditary monarchy. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that Zelda series is the opposite and that it is not better than hereditary monarchy, but real life... Actually, elected officials in real life are really bad, too. It's almost like the whole concept under which we... Op- you know what? I'm not doing this right now. We're not going to get... Fantasy it. loves the purity of the bloodline, and they hate viziers... They hate stewards. They hate chamberlains. Now, yes, unless the chamberlains are women, in which case they're fine. Yeah, unless the chamberlain's very loyal and uh, not scheming to take power. Yes. Anytime you see an impa, they're fine. The premise is just women should rule. Yes. <laughs> that That is the primary yes. premise of The Legend of Zelda. Um, it's that meme where I believe in blank girl supremacy only it's Alnima doing the bowing, and it's just girl supremacy. Cam, you wanted to count the dynasties? Okay. Uh, Crystal, just off the top of your head, how many different times has the royal family of Hyrule or the kingdom of Hyrule been founded and refounded? Two times. Go on. Once by Rauru and Sonia, and once by Link and Zelda. Okay. That's... That's... You're meaning Skyward Sword Zelda? Yes. Yes. Okay. Here's here's the ones off the top of my head. Stop me if you think that any of these don't count, okay? Okay. So I would like to argue that the Second Dynasty is actually started right after Raru and Sonya die with the founding of the Sheikah. I don't think there's necessarily definitely a dynasty there. But it's it needs to be noted that at this point, Raru was king and the king was the supreme position. And they switched away from that afterward. Though I guess there is, there had to be, there was a castle built. They built a castle. Also, Monica, I asked Crystal. Okay. What do you think of that one, Crystal? I don't know about that. Okay, fair enough. Why don't you know about it? Who's the king and queen? I don't know if there is a king at that point. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound like a dynasty to me. Well, I mean, they did pass something. This oh, sounds huh. like a rule of viziers. This sounds like a stewardship of Gondor situation. No, this is the this is the main family, <laughs> which is like Sonya's sister, and then Sonya's cousins become the Sheikah. I think they're waiting for Aragorn to return. What? <laughs> I understand. 
But but we we know from okay. Do we still hold that our idea of the old kingdom in spirit tracks is referring to this kingdom? Yeah, I think so. Well, we know that they had uh, the castle built. Uh, they still had royalty. They still had um, palace dishes. They had veneration of the Triforce. All of that had to have been brought over from somewhere else. It, it, it seems like, to me, that the royal family was refounded and then kept going until they were run out by Maladus. Okay, that, so you think Maladus still has yet to come? Yes. I suppose that would make sense. That'd be a second dynasty. Yeah, I think the existence of the castle, there's going to be somebody who lives in the castle. Now, I, my idea for the next one is, like you said, either... I'm not super convinced that Zelda Skyward Sword would necessarily start a kingdom immediately. She may not be that kind of girl, but it could also be the Hylia plot. So I'll say that the founding of the Third Dynasty is sometime between the ending of Skyward Sword and the beginning of, uh, we'll say, the Minish Cap. Okay. Well, a few things here, and that's that might be an entirely different place. In Minish Cap? No, in like a, a different Hyrule. Uh, what do you, a what, different kingdom. In Minish Cap? What are you talking about? Where Skyward Sword takes place. Oh, yes. It's a, it's a, it's a different landmass. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's a different landmass. It's a different landmass, but you're counting it as the same dynasty, uh, another dynasty. It's the same bloodline. Yeah, and they still call it Hyrule. Literally, the rule, the kingdom of Hylia. Okay. The kingdom of Hylia, as established in 2011's Skyward Sword, all Hyrule was always about worshipping Hylia. And thinking back to Minish Cap, we did place that on a separate branch than everything else. Right, yes. God, the demise timeline. Not that we need to stick to it. No, you're, you're right, But there is though. a kingdom there, too. Okay, for this to make the money. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, we've got at least two foundings sometime. Uh, okay, one founding between Skyward Sword and Minish Cap, and one founding between Skyward Sword and Ocarina of Time. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Okay, good. And one more for Spirit Tracks. Um, yes. Yes, and then another one for Spirit Tracks. But, okay, and yet yeah, then that one carries forward all the way to... Breath of the Wild. How many is and that? And one more for the Adventure of Link. Yes, yes, for Adventure of Link. That's true. But that's also only on one timeline. Yeah, but I mean, it's still there. Yes, it's still there. <laughs> we, 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 we. The Kingdom of Hyrule. We exist outside of time. Hylia's <laughs> kingdom exists across timelines and lands. Yes. Okay. I mean, as, as long as they're not putting this on like official commemoration dishes or whatever, it's fine. Well, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> they don't seem super familiar with their own past in that sense. Yeah, I think if we were if lived in Hyrule, we would be executed for suggesting that it was not one continuous bloodline. I don't think they're that kind of kingdom. Oh, I don't know about that. Dur at least during most... Well, okay. In the lead up to Ocarina of Time, maybe we would have been executed as dissidents. But I think that in other periods, it would mostly be okay to like take serious study towards this sort of thing. As you long get as a visit from the Sheikah. <laughs> Come on. The Sheikah are all dead. Those the, the, the Sheikah died out in Ocarina of Time, and after that, they were only refounded sometime between the last game in the timeline and then Breath of the Wild. If you went to Kakariko and started talking about where's the baby, 
Shinto <laughs> would put a knife to your neck and say, yeah, there was a baby. Say it. Say that there was a baby. <laughs> I, I'd i like to point out one thing now that we're going slightly back to the baby. The baby. Which is uh, the, the ancient hero has been cited as like possibly uh, part Hylian, part Zonai. No. But he's even less human humanoid well, i mean he's humanoid but he has fewer human features his than feet are are digitigrade yeah he has a tail yeah <laughs> what yeah he's he's much uh he he leans closer to the animal end of the furry spectrum than raru does that's a very succinct way to put it yeah so it, it i it, don't think that's you know yeah that's not the baby <laughs> the ancient hero crystal what do you think of the idea that the ancient hero is the baby you're right. He doesn't really look like a baby. <laughs> you mean a hybrid baby? He doesn't look like a hybrid baby. Rauru looks like a hybrid baby. Yeah, he does look like a hybrid yeah. baby. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, so we're talking about the baby, but we, we, we've... The, Crystal, would you agree that the Book of Medora is fundamentally a work of collaborative fan fiction? Yes. Like, we, 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 we say this is a lore podcast, but it's mostly a podcast about filling in the gaps. Mm-hmm. So the fiction that we've created, does that, like, help paper over the problem of the baby? A little bit. Where it's like Sonia's family just continued with their colonialist aim to establish the dominion of Hylia over Hyrule even after she died. And it didn't require that Zelda be a direct descendant of Sonia so long as she's descended from Sonia's sisters or cousins. Okay, I'll accept this. On to the second problem. Yes, the second problem. Crystal, tell us about Ganon. Ganon. Every 100 years, a Gerudo male is born, (laughs) destined to be king. Yeah. He was born, he was sealed away for a million years, and yet, somehow, another Gerudo king was born in the era of the war for Hyrule. Now, now, Crystal, I just want to clarify for our listeners, you hold that no Gerudo king can be born while the other Gerudo kings are alive. That is what I hold. Why do you hold that? Because I think the kingship comes from a sense of reincarnation of the last king. That king's so sketch. <laughs> You'd think they'd revisit this policy if that was the case. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if there was no male Gerudo born between Ganondorf Tears of the Kingdom and Ganondorf Ocarina of Time, that they would absolutely lose their shit when Ganondorf Ocarina of Time is born. They might have, though. No, like, they should set that baby on fire, levels oh. of losing their shit. That's why Twin Rova's there, to tell them that it's fine. Twin Rova, the keepers of the dark mysteries. Yeah, Twin Rova's the Sheikah of the Gerudo. <laughs> Who do you think that the... In Twilight Princess, there's a ghost in the Arbiter's Grounds. Um, what was it called? Sword something? Death Sword? Death Sword, Death Blade. Crystal, who is that? You're suggesting that that's some kind of Gerudo king. I I have in the past, yeah. He is wearing the exact same robes as Wind Waker Ganondorf and uh, Tears of the Kingdom Ganondorf. Well, it must be some sort of old Gerudo king. Are you suggesting that it predates Tears of the Kingdom Ganondorf? No, I think this is where we talk about shades existing. No, 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 hold on. The shade had to come from somewhere is the point. No, I don't think he pre... Well, no, I don't think he pre-exists. Tears of the Kingdom Ganondorf. Okay, so who is it? Must be some... a shadow of a puppet. Okay. 
when we when we set aside the question of whether more than one Gerudo male can exist at the same time, let's just for the sake of it, put that aside for a minute. When we ask that question, uh, when we set that aside, the question becomes, where the hell did Ganondorf and Four Swords Adventures and Ocarina of Time come from? Because Ganondorf, if we hold that the beginning, uh, that the backstory of Tears of the Kingdom takes place before Ocarina of Time, which I think we generally agree upon, um, Ganondorf is sealed away. So how is he walking around in Ocarina of Time? That That's the big question. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So, Crystal, before we get in started on my bullshit, and let me tell you, I have some bullshit. What what do you think of what's going on here? We know that there is Phantom Ganon, who is a puppet of Ganon. But the Pinocchio story tells us that sometimes a puppet can come to life, especially if Twinrova, the blue fairy, is there to kind of uh, steer the puppet in the right direction. Ooh. I do like the idea of Twinrova being involved in this. I love Twinrova. I don't know why I love Twinrova so much. Twinrova raises Puppet Ganon and tells him that he can be the real, real Ganon. Then he does it. They do this twice, both for Mandrag and for Ganondorf. So I guess that, Crystal, what you mean is in the backstory of Ocarina of Time, there was a successful revival or puppet infusion by Twinrova. Yes. Or is... Ganondorf uh, from Ocarina of Time, just a phantom Ganon who gained so much sentience that he was then convinced that he was a real person. Yes, and this is why, even after being executed, he remains as some kind of ghost in the Twilight Realm. Well, that and the Triforce of Power makes you really hard to kill. Yes, but that's why he takes that ghost-like form. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that the the issue here that I can see is that in Ocarina of Time, there's a, a still that understanding that there's a Grudo male once every hundred years instead of, hey, we have this one guy. Unless Twinrova was every hundred years undertaking the puppet attempting thing. I mean, if they say, we said before that that's maybe something that they just made up. Mm. So they've spread this. They've spread the idea that every Grudo male is king. And 600 years, they've outlasted every other Gerudo who would say otherwise. Exactly. 400. 400? Okay. Yeah, they were 400 and self-reportedly 380 when they died. (laughs) Okay. 380 centuries. (laughs) I still don't think that's actually true, but we'll we'll get back to it. Um, Okay. So who do we think led the Gerudo during the Unification War? Because Ganondorf in Ocarina of Time, to me, reads like he's about 20 at the start. Maybe slightly older. He's a punk. You don't think he was leading them in the war? No, I don't. I think he's too young for that. Just barely. You don't think he could be a 10-year-old commander? No. Mordred? Not without his moms. I I guess his moms could have been acting as regent when he was a child. Could be his moms. But it also could have been a very old king. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we know that Gerudo can live for about 400 years. At least a few. And that's if you stab them. Yeah, they were very distraught that they had only been alive for so long. I'm only 400 years old. Okay, I'm. I think that one more aspect of the conversation around this that needs to be addressed before I get into my bullshit is that some people hold that Tears of the Kingdom is a retconning of 
either Ocarina of Time or many other Zelda stories into being non-canonical legends of which Tears of the Kingdom is presenting a real version of events. People say that. What, what's your take on that? To me, Tears of the Kingdom seems more legendary than Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's more in the legendary mode of storytelling. The Avengers Assembled. Stop it. Literally the Age of Legends. Yes. Avengers Assembled. We don't talk about that on this podcast anymore. <laughs> well, I think I would agree with that because it's 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 bombastic. It's wild. It's all over the place. It's grander. I, I, I would say that the first stance of the Book of Medora is that where possible, we try to take everything that's presented to us as canon because that's half the fun. Yeah. Reconning is... It happens. Yes. Because, like... Nintendo. Yes. But as we're going to talk about in response to an email, which I've just decided we're definitely reading today, like, they have retconned elements of the setting before because part of the fantasy of the Hyrule fantasy was that the fantasy religion of the region was Christianity. That pretend religion where people pray in front of crosses. You're saying they retconned this. I am, actually, yes. I think that they retconned that with Link to the Past. Yeah, I, I think I think it's 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 much more fun to try to tie everything together. If at all possible. If at all now, possible. Hold on, let me open my Nintendo 3DS. Oh, Jesus. Let, let me open up uh, uh, a Link, the Hyrule Fantasy, The Legend of Zelda. Okay. See if they retconned Link Shield. I No, they no, didn't. It looks like they didn't. looks like it's the same shield. <laughs> it, it isn't. Oh... It is indeed the same shield. It's but, highly as but, bird foot. But, but retcons work moving forward. Mm. The text of that game is still what it is when viewed strictly within the text of that game. It only changes in the context of the larger work. So, yes, Crystal, Christianity was real in Hyrule Fantasy. Okay. And it was it was also real in Adventure of Link. You know is that what you wanted? You know what's a retcon? Is Ocarina of Time. It doesn't make any damn sense with what came before. <laughs> oh, go on. It's the tale of the imprisoning war. The, all the details are completely different and incompatible with A Link to the Past. Yeah. I think that's really the thing. You know, we've been through this a few times. And we did not retcon. Well, some people did try to say it was retconning previous versions, but... Nintendo doesn't do that. They just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom makes so many textual references to the events of past games that it's impossible to pretend that it's trying to say that those games didn't happen. And Ocarina of Time is such a defining game for Nintendo, for Zelda. video games in general. Yeah. Like, they're not going to say it didn't happen. You don't have Grand Theft Auto V or Grand Theft Auto VI without Ocarina of Time. You can't pretend... Anyway, I don't have too many bullshit theories, so Cameron, what's your bullshit theory? <sighs> okay, so we know that when we fight Demise, that Phi describes Demise as not always being called that. He is eons old and has gone by many names across the eons and has finally conquered time. Is that, that, does that work with you two's memories? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. So I And I can't believe that I'm using Demise as the linchpin to talk about this, but here I go. Crystal, is there a character that Demise bears a very strong resemblance to? Demon King Ganondorf. <laughs> okay. 
So we've also come to the conclusion that a lot of the demon kings throughout the series are probably really advanced Pinocchio phantom Ganons, right? Yes. Not being aware of that and being sapient on their own, but yes. Crystal? Yeah. Okay. So do we think it's possible that one of the names that Demise was known by in the long eons before when building up his power was Ganon? Mm, I don't know about that. Why is that? He's not connected to the Gerudo at all. Right. And that is the name of Gerudo Kings. I mean, true, but a Phantom Ganon is still a Ganon. I don't know if they would necessarily be, need to be named something, question mark. But we agree that it is Ganon. Yes. Even, we, we could call that his secret name, his true name in the style of Earthsea, where Demise's name is Ganon. It kind of seems to me like if we're saying all the Demon Kings are puppets. Not necessarily all of them, but go on. I don't think they should necessarily be considered as Ganons so much as like uh, like children of Ganon, who are sometimes named after him. So that's right. That's right. You and me are alike in that we hold that the Phantom Ganons are separate entities from Ganon. Yes. Monica holds that they are essentially limbs of Ganon. Yeah, maybe with some independence, but more tapped in than not. But they're still spawns. Uh, but we all agree that they're spawned from Ganon. Yeah, it's similar to how Moblins are spawned from Ganon, but they are not Ganon. I think that to some degree, though, Phantom Ganon is like, it's different. Would you say then that the Calamity is not Ganon? The Calamity the- is not Demon King Ganondorf. Right. But the Calamity is named Ganon. That's true. Even though it wasn't known to have... There's a legend that a Ganon was a Gerudo once, but it isn't known to be born from the Gerudo itself. Yes. And it still has that name. And we generally agree that the Calamity Ganon is absolutely a phantom Ganon, just on a bigger scale. You know, Ganon is kind of like the name Kaiser. It used to just be some <laughs> guy's name, but now it's like a title. Well, I didn't know that about Kaiser. Yeah, yeah Caesar. Oh, right. Yes, I did know that. I forgot. Good point. That comes up a lot in Godzilla movies for some reason. Anyway, so I, I'm, maybe I'm reaching a little bit, but I think it would be fair to say that if we accept that the Calamity is a Ganon and the uh, Phantom Ganons are a Ganon, even in the Kaiser sense, then we could look at Demise and say that one of his past names may have been Ganon. Why does the name matter? It's not so much the name. It's about identifying Demise as a Ganon. I think that that can be done without him being having a name of Ganon. Even if he's not recognized as such, that's where his origin is. Crystal? Yeah, I'm more inclined to think of Demise as one of the more notable spawns of Ganon. But still, in many ways, like the Calamity. Yes. yes. Okay. And also, it's also the, in, in theory, Demise would also be the spawn of Ganon that became most like Ganon because accepting the horns and a few other small details, that motherfucker looks just like the Demon King. Yeah. Yes. So over time, this spawn of Ganon, this incarnation of Ganon's malice and hatred, evolves into its own demon god. And Demise eventually becomes so powerful that he wars with the gods themselves, learning of the golden power going to war with Hylia, on and on. And after he's sealed, he's killed with the Triforce, breaks out, 
and is fought to a standstill and then killed with the Master Sword in a separate timeline in a realm that is itself outside of time, disconnected from the rest of the cosmos. And maybe this realm where you fight Demise is itself outside of the timeline split, if you want. And this is the part where I'm going to act really out of character, is that I'm going to refer to Demise's curse as being an important element of how this works. Because up to that point, the way that the malice worked was that every once in a while a monster would just pop out, and sometimes it would end up like Demise, this unstoppable monstrosity that could shake the pillars of heaven. But then, as Demise is dying, he says that an incarnation of his curse, his hatred in the English version, shall hound the soul of the hero and the blood of the goddess for all eternity. But when he says my, he doesn't mean the individual demise. He means his true self, Ganon. And that curse put out by this Pinocchio, who almost became a real boy, changes things just enough so that when Twin Rova attempts to partake in the ritual of creating life, they are able to actually give birth to a new incarnation of the Demon King. I thought he became a fork. I'm talking, <laughs> well, Tears of the Kingdom has potentially changed my view on the time. I'm not going to uproot fork theory. <laughs> no, the fork theory stays on that timeline. The fork theory can still stay regardless. And so if I'm understanding right, this is to align why Maladus would exist prior to Demise and how afterwards it's consistently Ganon. Right. Because Maladus became very powerful, but didn't like extend as far as Demise did. And then after Demise is gone, or after Maladus is gone, Demise rises. It's like there's a there's a field in which evil can exist, the evil of Ganon. And once a demon king is killed, the field is filled up because nature abhors a vacuum. And Ganon, when he became the demon king, carved out that gap in creation where he has to exist in or something will fill up that gap. Yeah, I don't think this is a necessity. It's not filling like a needed hole, but I think it's not something that can't exist either. So similar to the 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 twin rover spawning puppets thing. It's also why killing a demon king isn't as effective as sealing it away. Because if you seal them away, nothing else can rise to fill that gap because the gap is still filled. Like the Avatar. Sure. Like the Avatar, or Crystal's idea about Ganondorf uh, making it so that no other male Gerudo can be born for a million billion years. The thought I have around Demise's curse is that Hylia was probably intending to address Demise or Ganon or what have you through herself, but it probably brought in Link on a continual basis. She had a one-time Link boost, but... Demise was like, no, you're you're going to torture your boyfriends through time. And she's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I just really wanted like a one-time thing. <laughs> Crystal, how do you feel about torturing your boyfriends through time? I can see that. <laughs> that feels very highly up. Mm-hmm. Well, she regrets it. <laughs> I'm sure that she does. <laughs> Where did Hylia come from? A distant nebula. <laughs> you, so you don't think that she's Zelda? No, the, the, the Crystal's referring to the idea of Hylia as the light dragon. Because 
while Hylia was doing her business, the light dragon was still up there. Oh, uh-huh. So where did Hylia come from? What? It, it, can you explain the the conflict that you see here, Crystal? Because we're not tweaking to it. Because um, before, when this was the beginning of the story, it seemed fine to say that Hylia just came from somewhere because this is the beginning of the story. But now we apparently have this era before Hylia was around. And then at some point she appeared. Well, I think that the... Hylia talks about the arrival of the old gods and there being a touch point and w- in which when they departed, three golden triangles were left. And she was assigned there to be the caretaker of those triangles. Is that the language used? Not precisely. Okay. But generally. And firstly, like the old gods might not have touched down here yet. What? <laughs> okay, okay. Go on. They may be conflating some of the creation of the land. And these are aliens who visited. Jesus Christ. But even if they... Okay. (laughs) You are giving me such a face. My eyes are shut. I'm not looking at you. It's radiating off of you. Okay. Even if they did form the land and then Hylia and the Triforce are there, I don't see that that creates an issue with Zelda popping in as a dragon. Because that's her blood. And this is a goddess that reaches through time. What the fuck are you two talking about? <laughs> I'm also not quite following. <laughs> okay, so me and Monica were left adrift by Crystal's explanation. And me and Crystal are literally being sucked down into a fucking whirlpool by Monica's explanation. Um, let me let me, let me me lob mine over the fence here. Um, okay. I posit that Hylia was already around in the background of Tears of the Kingdom because Sonia comes from a line of high priestesses of the goddess. Ergo, Hylia worship was already a thing in this era. But she did not deign to appear before Demon King Ganondorf. We don't know that. She could just be over in the land where Sonia's cousins are, which could be the... Where the goddess Zelda founded the second dynasty of Hyrule. You don't think Demon King Ganondorf might draw her attention? I think, I mean, he should, certainly. But I don't think that she acted against him. Demon King Ganondorf was not interested in the Triforce. Yeah, because he at that point the golden power wasn't known. Okay, so she's only here to protect the Triforce. And the problem with Demise is that he wanted the Triforce. Right. That makes sense, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm glad that I didn't create, like, a fucking earthquake to, for you two to drop down into. I would have broken down and cried. Well, I think we're all aligned here. Are, I, don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that we are, actually. The grand s- scheme of things, yes. Because now we have to talk, like, eventually we're going to have to get into working out the timeline of Ganondorf and whether or not that can fit with fork theory. I think we can wait on that till we get to the Accursed Timeline examination. But see, here's the thing. We're going chronologically. I think fork theory still holds. Okay. Yeah. I do like my idea that Demise's curse helped shape Ganondorf in Ocarina of Time. I don't see why you're lobbing this fish towards the Demise seals. (laughs) He just looks so much like Ganondorf Crystal. He looks like the Demon King. Where's this where's this newfound respect for Demise? He looked like Ganondorf. <laughs> oh no, 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 no,
Don't you put that evil on me. He I got no respect. He looked like Ganondorf before. He looked like Ganondorf, but he didn't look like Ganondorf. And one, he actually looked like Akuma or Oni from the Street Fighter series. Or Goki, depending on if you're nasty. But um, he didn't... He didn't look like Ganondorf to the same degree that he looks like Demon King Ganondorf. No, Cameron, you're perking up because now there's a, a Ganondorf that precedes Demise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, 100%. And okay. now you're trying to explain Demise is a... a uh, I don't have to shove him in a closet a anymore. ritual of Ganondorf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't think it needs this, this structure or scaffolding you're setting around him. He is derivative already. Okay. He's double derivative. Okay. Well, Both I, chronologically, I, in our view, okay. and chronologically. Well, let's 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 excise demise then from this explanation. <laughs> we don't need him. He's a fork. We agree. He's a fork. Okay. But when they make the third game, he will probably be the villain. Shut the hell. <laughs> He's the logical choice for a third villain. Crystal, no, no, bad, bad for Crystal. Bad to Crystal. Who else Crystal Vati? Crystal do eat uh, Twin Rova. Twin Rova. Uh, maybe. I mean, if you want to have the possibility, okay, you and you've got the Adventure of Link status. Who's the best person to resurrect Ganon? Ganon's minions. Twin Rova. Incidentally, also happened in a game directed by Fujibayashi. That's true. That is true. He does. He does like that. Okay, look, look, look. So let's let's excise demise because he's a fork. Demise. Breath of the Wild 3 will just be an auto-build minigame. There isn't going to be! <laughs> Skyward Sword 3. Oh my fucking god. There isn't... I, I can't say with absolute confidence, but I'm willing to bet donuts to donuts that there's not going to be a Breath of the Wild 3. Why wouldn't there be? Because they'll want to make something else. They'll want to make something else other than the thing that's guaranteed to sell 50 million copies? There's a reason that Tears of the Kingdom isn't called Breath of the Wild 2. It doesn't need to be. It looks the same. So you think they're never going to change the art style? Ah, uh, not till the, the sales start slipping. I think you're wrong. I think you're so wrong. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. If, if this podcast is still running, I will... I will admit how wrong I was, and I will anoint your head with oil as the true seer of the future of the Zelda franchise. But I just... Look, Demise is a fork. You use him what to eat stuff. But Ganondorf is still putting out the hate into the universe. And Twinrova, who we know can resurrect Ganondorf, takes it and uses that to create a new person. A real boy. Named Ganondorf Dragmire. What about Mandrag? Uh, same thing happens in the other timeline. Okay. They it's basically they take the the essence of Ganon and use it to recreate him. And, and Sh- shall decide, we talk? About- no, they decide go- that um, this time the Triforce. You gotta get it. I, I mean, if you were going to figure out a way to surpass the power of the Demon King, you would start with the Triforce. Yes. And if that happens, they don't even have to worry about breaking the seal on the Demon King because Ganondorf with the Triforce is way more than the Demon King can be. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do hold. Like, I know that there's... Go- Chris- I, I, I question that, but... Chris- sure. uh, uh, Monica, give me your power scaling idea. <laughs> the power scaling is however we want it to be. Damn. <laughs> Well, she went for the actual answer. We Crystal, know that as- full Triforce Ganon can be defeated by a few silver arrows. True. 
But that would be that would be Phantom Ganon. But he has the whole Ganon. Triforce. Yes, but he's a, a bad wisher. He's a bad wisher? He's a bad wisher. What does that mean? He, he can't conceive of how to wish to give, make himself more powerful. I love that you just throw these <laughs> phrases out, assuming that you're psychically... Co- like, I got what you meant, because I've been married to you for so long. He, he didn't wish to be resistant to silver arrows? <laughs> He didn't wish for the Master Sword to not be able to strip away the Triforce's protection. Okay. Because it's the Master Sword doing it, and the Silver Arrows are just the finishing touch. They should invent a Master Sword for secret stones. They did. It's called the Master Sword. (laughs) Okay. Well, not really. You have to be evil. But if you're evil, you're fucked. Crystal, as the uh, respected power scaler of the Book of Medora podcast, where would you rank the Demon King Ganondorf against the other Ganondorfs? I mean, I I did think it makes sense for the Triforce to be stronger, except that we know it isn't because Link killed full Triforce Ganon a lot easier than Link killed Demon King Ganondorf. Is that true, though? Yeah. Because Link can show up with four hearts and a bad attitude and whoop his ass up and down the street. Don't even need the Master Sword. Mm, I guess that's true. I think... Well, if you look at it, uh, you could do that in any Zelda game. No, that's not true. No? No, in Link to the Past, you cannot damage uh, Ganon without the Master Sword. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, you mean without the Master Sword. Got it. Yeah. Can't do it. Even using glitches, you've got to, like, um, spin attack him when he's about to teleport. Otherwise, you don't do enough damage to register. So I guess Triforce Ganon is the strongest, then. So says Power Scaler Crystal. Well, I always like to compare it to like Wind Waker Ganondorf, who wasn't able to use the power of the Triforce because it was under the seal in Hyrule, but still like tore up mountains and froze the sun on the other. Like it tidally locked the earth. He wasn't using the full Triforce. No, he wasn't using it at all. This was just him. Well, uh, here's the question. Once they invented the Master Sword, and once they powered up the Master Sword in the flames of the old creators, why didn't they go kill the Demon King while he was asleep? I think they had forgotten about him. The knowledge of the Demon King was just lost. But Zelda recognizes him. Only as the Demon King. Yeah. No, what I mean is, Zelda recognizes him, but who who else is... After Raru, Sonya, and Zelda uh, exit stage right... Who's left to I- who has seen him in person and even like could identify that he's down? See, there. this is why Zelda should have told um, Impa to write down: "This is not a legend. This is for real, for real, for real." There's a guy down there, a literal, real, physical guy. Don't make this a legend. The, the, but they put it on a rock. They did inscribe that within the castle. They just forgot to read it. <laughs> That's true. It got covered by rocks. It wasn't even covered. Oh. No, it's like, it's within the confines, like, when you're first going down that little spiral staircase. Yeah. Where the guy was peeking in and there's the Horriblins. Yeah. Yeah. Right at the bottom of that oh, spiral. Yeah. There's, a, like, a, we had a first king. We built this castle to seal the, the demon king. Blah, blah, blah. Don't go to, Well, I can understand why people wouldn't go down there. What if you, if you break the seal and let the demon king out? That's a lot worse than just letting him sit under the seal. Yeah. I, I, I just, the picture came to mind that maybe, like, servants went down there, but they're like, yeah, I'm sure the royal family has this well in hand. And meanwhile, the royal family has forgotten. Well, I mean, we we do see what happens when they go down there. Yeah. 
is that Ganondorf instantly wakes up and breaks the Master Sword into a million billion pieces. Okay, here's my question about the relationship between the Demon King and his puppets. Let's say they did get the Master Sword, and they did go down there, and they did kill Demon King Ganondorf. Does the Calamity still exist? I don't think so, actually. Okay. I think that the Calamity isn't even a single entity. It's like they're noticing that the hate comes back in a similar shape over and over again, so they think it's the same creature. Mm -hmm. I'm mixed on this. I'd like to say the same, but thinking about Japanese ghosts and so on... I'm, I I don't know. Because those the hate lingers and is sometimes worse. What do you think, Crystal? I'm inclined to say that the puppet would persist, yeah. You think that if they went down and killed the Demon King Ganondorf, that the Calamity would remain? Yeah, I don't think even killing the Demon King Ganondorf rids the world of all demons. It, it Does the Blood Moon end? Does the Blood Moon end? I think so, because that was something summoned specifically by his power but with him gone there's still room for other demons to surface here's a question for you and i guess this is i'm trying so desperately not to talk about the potential for a breath of the wild three now that the demon king ganondorf is dead what happens with the the wish (laughs) that's a great question well the wish was not owed to him it was owed to one of his puppets but it's still ganon This is part of why I think that for those particular incarnations, they are literally Ganondorf incarnated Mm -hmm. again. I think we should put a pin on this and get to slightly closer to the start of the game, meaning the eight heroines. Okay, let's go. Eight heroines. (laughs) Eight heroines, part of the million billion year gap. Yeah, we forgot to mention them as we talked about the ancient hero, but we didn't talk about the, the heroines. They are sages. That's what the text on them says. The text? The the text along the statues. Oh, I see. So They are definitively sages. Okay, so there's seven sages. And then, t- okay, tell us the story. There are seven heroines. Their specific skills are heart, skill, fortitude, wisdom, flight, mobility, and compassion, which is the most confusing <laughs> combo. Okay, so these sages are indeed very different from latter-day elemental arrangement of sages. And casting back to our discussions in Breath of the Wild, we, you know, there is an eighth heroine statue, and we had a few different theories about it. And one of our theories is we noted that the eighth heroine statue was flipped and is left-handed, and our theory was that it was a link. Yes, Theoretically, we wanted it to be a Gerudo Link. Yes. It is indeed a Link or a hero. But it is a Hylian guy. Is it definitively a Hylian guy? It's some kind of O. Um, so I... I, I what, what impression did you get there, Crystal? What, what, yes. Who is, who is that eighth... Who is the eighth character in your head? He's a Link that can hang, just like our Link. He can be chill? Yeah, they'll let him in. He's cool. <laughs> I, I took down the text in the room that they devote to the Eighth, which is, Long ago, a monstrosity of the sands attacked Grudo Town. Its war cry rang out over the dunes like a raging demon. We seven heroines of the Grudo, the most stalwart chosen by, surged forth to engage it. Yet this monstrosity tossed us about like the tumbling weeds. We feared that the proud Grudo would be extinguished. And then, a hero appeared from afar, 
He marshaled the seven heroines, counseling us to combine our strengths. The strength upon strength of we seven routed the monstrosity. We named our benefactor the guiding light of the Gerudo. Yet though we had not but the highest praise for him, he was refused entry into Gerudo town. T'was Gerudo law that all those like him were barred. How hollow our gratitude and praise must have rung in this hero's ears. Thus was the link between his people and the Gerudo severed. Though we never bequeathed it to him, the gift into which our feelings are bound is enshrined at the sanctuary. The, the notable things for me here are that it's seemingly written contemporaneously with the seven heroines. It's written from their perspective. Right. But it was already long ago, the events that they're, they're detailing here. Probably about 100 years. <laughs> I guess they live a long time. Uh, and then that the, the uh, calamity, that the issue was a, a demon. Or a monster that that howled. Like this wasn't no fucking Mulduga. No. Also, there's no mention specifically of a Hylian. But there is a rift between his people and the Gerudo created by him being turned away. The link was severed. Yes. <laughs> I feel like... I, I like think that's on purpose. Yeah, they tried to put that in there. What do you think, Crystal? Yeah, it sounds to me like um, Link came over, helped him out. And as links do, he was he was turned away from being part of it. He became a wandering swordsman yet again. That is how links often do. I think that maybe reading non-literally, his people could be just men. It could potentially still be. A that would be man. the worst imaginable writing. <laughs> you think that so? is some fucking aughts era Themyscira writing. This is already Themyscira. Yeah, it is already Themyscira. It's too late. For, for our- Steve Trevor. Fuck! <laughs> or perhaps a Grudo male who was claimed to be Hylian. As if he was raised among the Hylians, yes. I, I actually do like the idea that it, it was a Gerudo male, but the end there where it creates a rift between their peoples seems to... Imply, imply non-Gerudo. That, yeah. And the Gerudo... What if... What if this happened out near the spirit temple? What if this is the background story to what eventually would like create the political reality of the Gerudo and the Hylians uh, and uh, leading up to the unification war? Is is this the founding myth of the Gerudo king? Go on. Like, um, like they're they're the the man was the leader here, right? He rallied the seven and taught them how to put their strengths together. So then, when Twinrova is inventing the legend of the Gerudo King, they're going to be like, "Ah, this is the eighth returned. This is the reincarnation of the eighth who will lead us and teach us to combine our strengths." So you're suggesting that it's possible that this takes place in the age of legends before the founding of Hyrule. Yeah, that could be true. I kind of like that. I kind of like that a lot, actually. In that case, it could be a Mulduga. Just like, you know, in the old legends, (laughs) one really big pig could be a really big problem. True. It could be a really big Mulduga. Yeah. Monica's. she's been making her thinky face for the past 20 seconds. You've really done a number on her head here. There's already the ban on men... Yes. On the city. Yes. We did like to imagine that that happened because of Ganondorf, but that's not necessarily true. I guess it's difficult to tell, but I do like the idea that it was the continual resurgence of the fact of this person and 
the possibility of him being, well, the definitive statement that he was male and how this was subsumed into a Grudo hero could have been used by Twinrova over time, like around Ocarina of Time, to reestablish the Gerudo kings. So you would see it as the origin of the Gerudo king myth, which is what Crystal is positing. Um, no, because this would be things that happen well after the backstory of Tears of the Kingdom. I'm saying this influences like Ocarina of Time stuff after there was a ban, but Ganondorf in Tears of the Kingdom backstory is already king by birthright. So you're saying that Crystal's idea makes sense if you move it to a little while before Ocarina of Time. Yes. What do you think of that, Crystal? Hmm. So this hero came after the Demon King, then? I would say so. And that's why he wasn't let in. Yes. Okay. But over time, as you know, people continually rediscover the fact that there were eight and not seven, and that, you know, much of the, the fact that this person might have been Hylian was erased. They're like, well, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't ban all guys. <laughs> and Twin Robo continually uses that in, as an in to re-inject re Ganondorf. Because the language in this story, the narrator is already speaking with some kind of regret about their decision to ban the hero. Yes. And that regret can be exploited. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yay! So how are we feeling about the second problem, which is Ganon? I didn't think I would come around to the Twin Rova being crucial to each Ganon, but somehow these collected facts have strengthened that. What do you think, Crystal? Restate the issue again? Where did Ganon come from in Ocarina of Time? Oh, he's just a puppet that Twin Rova <laughs> summons. Yeah. And, and made into a real boy. Yeah. Do you find this a satisfactory answer? Yeah. We, okay. we know that the Calamity wanted to become a real boy, too. That's true. He it, it was trying to incarnate. Launch the confetti. Okay. So do have we written enough of a fix-it-fic to move forward and comfortably try to deal with Tears of the Kingdom in the context of the rest of the games? Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, the... We d I did have a small note here about the depths. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. And I would say the crucial thing about the depths, three of them. One is the Grudo Underground Cemetery. One, Another is the Dark Skeletons. Those are big. Yes. And uh, the final are the ghosts with weapons. Oh, n oh, no, you're forgetting a fourth one. What's the fourth one? The armors. Yes, the armors. <laughs> I think that those are the biggest ones of all. Um, okay. Let's go with the easy ones. Crystal, do we want to do the depths now or should we save it for another time? Let's do the depths. Okay. Okay, an easy one. Uh, there's a Grudo cemetery underneath the Arbiter's Grounds where the Wrath of the Executed. Is that what it's called? To linger. Uh, that's according to the Yiga notes in a base nearby okay what's the name of the location though the Gerudo underground cemetery i think ah and actually when you go down there it's full of gibdos yeah but gibdos aren't ghosts they're insects they are their own creatures horrible horrible creatures they are demons born but, of the demon king but they're found in the cemetery alone. they are super found in the fucking cemetery i mean other games crystal would you say that in other games gibdos and redeads are very much undead 
Yes, I would say so. How do you read the Gibdos in Tears of the Kingdom? They're so undead that they've developed their own insect biology. You know, I as much as I want to go, that doesn't make sense. There's nothing in it that doesn't like that. that yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Why that makes w- sense to me. Why wouldn't undeath look like that? It can look like anything. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> well, it's similar to how zombies in some zombie fictions form like mass waves of of collective intelligence right, right? like yeah. a hive mind yeah shit it's the, and why why couldn't undead change their biology so much i mean if they were dead and now they're running around that's already the biggest change imaginable <laughs> right so what is it that you see as big about the underground cemetery no i just wanted to call it out because it's pretty notable oh. there's also an ancient observatory i think that's under the an ancient oh. observatory in the depths implies that the depths used to be on the surface. Indeed yeah, kind of, right? What's that, Crystal? Indeed it does. Yeah, so the depths used to be the surface. Sorry, ancient observation deck. Yeah. It's by um, Lurlin's Heart Lake. Okay, that's slightly different. And by slightly, I mean a lot different. <laughs> but it, it, that possibility um, is certainly terrifying. Crystal, what do you make of the dark skeletons in the depths? I don't know what to make of them. Well, can you describe them for our listeners? The dark skeletons? Yeah. Which are these? The dark skeletons are the enormous skeletons that are directly underneath each of the leviathans. Oh. Man, what the hell are these? Well, they're, we agree that they're a lot bigger than the leviathans. They seem bigger. They're kilometers long. And... You can find the skull of one in the southwest corner of the map, and it is very much shaped like a dragon's head. Hmm. On the surface, too, uh, there is, where is it? In Hebra, there is a dragon bone mire in which a very long dragon shape is also very similar to the ones in the depths. So I would definitely posit that these are dragons, all of them. But here's the thing. They are so much fucking bigger than the dragons that are currently alive. Except for one. Well, that's not alive just yet. But, yeah, Crystal, um, if you if you go down there and look at them, you pop open the map, you look at their shape, you walk underneath their rib cages, you get a sense of the scale of them, and you look up and you realize, hey, these are the same size as the demon dragon. Hmm. These are secret stone dragons. Um... I guess they could be, but it's also possible that the elemental dragons are secret stone dragons. And certainly they're much, much, much larger than the known secret stone dragon, which is the light dragon. These are calamity dragons. The calamity in the mural does look a great deal like these things. But the fact that they're down there in the depths and like they're built around or they're so far away from everything that... All the mining efforts have been made far away from them. It makes me think that, like, are they left over from conflicts that were ancient in the time of legends? Are we looking back on an antiquity so terrible and so great that it's like standing on top of a crevasse where no light reaches into? So you're saying that there could have been historical battles and potentially also people who went through draconification to make big evil dragons ganon may not have been the first demon king ganon may not have been the first ganon yeah ganon's into infinity what do you make of these things crystal 
I do suggest that there were big monsters that people had to slay. That's true. When you get down to the nitty gritty, it does say that they're big monsters. Or, or, maybe they just starved to death when they sealed the depths. Ooh. Like they sealed the big monsters down there? Yeah, we're just going to put a new country on top of the old country. (laughs) You would need truly great flaming arms to do that. Yeah, you'd need to be Din. Yes, that, yes. That's what the Golden Goddesses did. They they made a new world on top of the old world. Gosh. The old world that was infested with demon dragons and had been utterly destroyed. I do like your note that the Calamity in the tapestry did, does look the most like the Dark Dragons rather than Piggy Cloud thing. Yes, absolutely. The Calamity takes many forms. Yes. Okay, so... I just wanted to throw that out there. We'll come back to the depths again when we go and fight Ganondorf. Though, Crystal, what do you make of the armor? You speak of the armor sets of ancient heroes. Yes. They're no longer amiibo. They're just here. They're canonical. They have quests related to them, and characters talk about them sometimes. There's old maps in the sky that lead to them. Yes. I don't know how to reconcile that with the timeline at all. There's there's two types of armor, I guess. There's Misko has traveled around and found a bunch of interesting shit. Previously, he had raided Hyrule Castle where they had been stored. This is the Breath of the Wild version, but Misko has traveled around and hidden things on the surface. He got the armor of awakening from a distant land and also the armor of the fierce deity from another distant land. Also Tingle's outfit. But every other hero, too... I guess the ones in this land. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But they're 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 led by old maps into the, the depths. But they're uh Zonai maps. Yes. Well Which implies that they were put and they're in Zonai chests. Yes. Which implies that they were put there by Zonai. So Crystal, you say you have no idea how to reconcile this with the timeline at all? Because this sure would suggest that actually every other game happened before Rauru. Well, that's just the thing. People could still go down into the depths, right? Could they? Well, uh, take Twilight Princess when the land is covered in crevasses that just fall down into nothing. That's a good point. And there's always places like that all over Hyrule, depending on where you are. So I I guess what I'd like to suggest there, Monica's just too distracted to participate in the conversation. I, well, the thing that they're in Zonai chess already yes but we know that the zone i keep coming down uh, okay they do sure the zone i keep coming down after raru is killed that's where the ancient hero comes from he dis- somehow the ancient hero appears to do battle with the calamity yeah monica's still distracted she's trying to look up all the different armors that misko left behind i guess i assume she's not talking just looking but, Crystal, wouldn't you say that the big takeaway from this is that it's... Here's the thing that people are... The reason that people are rejecting the existence of these... Would you say these armors are canonical in the game? Yeah, they are They are in the base game. And they're talked about by characters. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. They have text devoted to them. A lot of text. And some people reject that because it means that if those armors are real and canonical then the timeline convergence theory is necessarily true. Oh, well, if they're still stuck on that, then they're just being foolish. (laughs) I mean, a lot of people are still stuck on that. 
A lot of people are still arguing about what timeline from the Hyrule Historia Breath of the Wild should be on. That is that is a foolish endeavor. <laughs> it is a convergence. That is the easiest. You could also argue that somebody, say Sonya, for some reason, is traveling between time periods and timelines. Or that they've had fever dreams. The thing that really gets me about this is that when pieces of armor that you find are known to be destroyed, like Midna's helmet. You find Midna's helmet in this game, but the description of it says that it's a replica of Midna's helmet because Midna's helmet is destroyed in Twilight Princess. And the, the fact that it holds to that specific detail means that, yeah, this shit is meant to be canonical and it's meant to treat seriously with the past events of those games as having really happened. It does not retcon the events of Ocarina of Time or its many sequels out of the camp. Here's my theory. The depths is a strange mirror of the surface, and it is not just simply topological. It is a little bit mystical. You don't say. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Um, and this spans to where certain things can be found. Uh, we did watch a recent GameSpot, Things You Didn't Know About, Here's the Kingdom or whatever, and the, the note there was that there are lionels underneath every stable. Right. And there are at least a trifecta of ghosts carrying weapons, which we still need to talk about, under each of the monuments that Zelda devotes to uh, those who have souls lost in the Calamity. Right. So as these heroes live their life out on the surface, and as they die, they collate into the depths. Oh, I see. So the echo of their selves in the depths is what creates these armors which is why their hair is attached to their hats. Yeah. What do you think of that idea, Crystal? This is a this is a big graveyard and when heroes die, their spirits coalesce into clothes that just appear down there. Is that what we're saying? Maybe not their spirits coalescing into the clothes, but like the echoes of their deeds. Yes, I would go with deeds in particular because one of the armor sets you find down there is the set of the wild. That's true. <laughs> That's a tough one. By each dark skeleton. Yeah, this theory makes sense to me. So the heroic thing that you did in Breath of the Wild causes the armor of the wild to be recreated in the depths. Shit. I, I yeah, I guess that makes sense to me too. And notably, the evil armor set is not there. What evil armor set? The Phantom Ganon set. Where's the Phantom Ganon set? That's in the the uh, labyrinths. Yeah, but the labyrinths, the part that has the Phantom Ganon set, are in the depths. But that's more definitely collected by the Zonai. Yes. Or by the gods of the Zonai. Yes. Those were hidden there by the guardians of the labyrinths. And what did you want to talk about with the ghosts? No, I already noted it. It's but, where there's mass deaths from the Calamity. Mm. But do we generally... We agree that the armors mean that the other games happened and that regardless of how they existed in relation to each other prior to this point, now everything is on one timeline. Yeah, I would agree. I like, Crystal, that your yeah is like, yeah, and, duh. Yeah, that's obviously true. It's been true since Breath of the Wild. We figured this out six years ago. Yeah, well, some some folks with, with, with all good intentions just have had a lot of trouble with that question. Might as well be a single link theorist. <laughs> Ooh, that is more than I would put on somebody. Golly. Oh, man. I don't think that the people asking these questions were alive when the single link you theory You might as well be a two-timeline theorist. 
Ooh. Oh, man. You might theorize that Link died in Ocarina of Time canonically. Yeah. Yeah, you might as well think that there's a downfall timeline. Womp womp. Um... Okay, is there anything... We're nearly there. Is there anything else we need to talk about in your notes before we move on to the five-year gap? The, we don't know it's five years, but anyway. Yes, the Zoras settle in Zoras Domain. I was going to talk about this when we actually got to Zoras Domain, but okay, go on. And and Rudo existed. Okay, Crystal, did you read Sidon's things on the way to Zoras Domain in this game? Yeah, he mentions Princess Rudo by name. Yeah, um... And we, we agree that Tears of the Kingdom's backstory takes place more than 10,000 years ago. Uh-huh. And Zora's Domain was founded about 10,000 years ago, according to Dorafan. Yeah. 10,000 years is definitively the so vague, we just don't know. When do we think that Zora's Domain that exists in this, like, do we think that it was around the time of the sealing of the Calamity? Yeah, I think the implication here is that the place the Zora used to live got destroyed by the Calamity, and they had to find a new home. Oh, that works. I think Dorfan talks about them coming from a different land, but th- this game introduces an interesting wrinkle in that, and that, Crystal, where's Yona from? She's from another lake. She's from a different domain. Could it possibly be the only other Zora's domain that we know? The Zora's domain of the new continent over in Ocarina of Time? I can't believe they helped us confirm that. That there's two Zora's domains and therefore two kingdoms? Yeah. So so you're saying, okay, so that means there's also two Death Mountains. Yes. Okay. And there's two Hyrule Fields. Yes. And there's, well, there's two Hebras. Uh, hold on. Explain the two Hebras to me. Wasn't Hebra in uh, A Link to the Past? I don't think so. I'll check. Yeah, you better check. I think that's the Light World Mountain is Hebra. We're trying to find out. Give us just a minute. Forbidden science. No, it's just Death Mountain. Did I make that up? Where did I get that from? I'm not sure. I don't think that you made it up. Probably somebody made the comparison between the two mountains at some point. Maybe that's the name of the mountain in the Dark World? Mm. Hebra's Hill in Four Swords Adventures? That might be it. But that implies that Hebra is a historical figure. Mm. Okay, so... Yeah, yes, I, I... Oh, the Japanese name. Of? In Link to the Past. Oh. Mount Hebra is the light world name for Death Mountain in the Japanese version of A Link to the Past. So, Crystal, you are right. So the the point is the two continents also share a Gerudo Desert. <laughs> they have very similar geography. Listen. The forbidden science. For all the shit that we talk over the past six years, I have held consistently that we have to be wary of using geography for arguments, and I still hold to that. But I'm not even talking about the specific arrangement of the geography. I'm just talking about there's two Zora places, there's two Gerudo places, there's two Goron places, and they all have the same basic environments and name. Yeah. Well... The Goron eat rock. They're going to be in, in rocky areas. That's fair. The Zora fair. like water. They're okay. going to be in watery areas. And the Gerudo are heat resistant and may or may not like the desert, but they're in the desert a lot. Okay. They either prefer to live in the desert or keep keep getting racismed over there. So this is the this Breath of the Wild takes place in the Old Kingdom. Is that what we're saying? Yes. The okay. Fir- yeah. Okay. So that means it should theoretically be closest to spirit tracks 
it should theoretically be right on top of spirit tracks. Oh no, are you doing geography? <laughs> I'm just looking at the spirit tracks map. You're doing cartography. Okay. Yeah, no, I guess it does line up. You got the northwest is the cold region. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, the northeast is the volcano region. Southeast is the ocean region. Southwest is the field region. Oh, no. When I said south, when I said where the dark dragon skeleton is earlier, I may have said southeast when I meant southwest. <laughs> Cameron gets those flips regularly. Oh. It's okay. Uh, what were we doing? There's two domains. Yeah, there's two Zorus domains. Okay. We're starting to approach Breath of the Wild now. Is there is there another Hyrule Kingdom over in the new continent? At times, yes. Okay. Um, right now, probably not, because it was destroyed by the ocean. Okay. But after the waters receded, uh, Zora's domain probably still exists. Like, the Rito of the new continent probably went back to being Zora. We're approaching Breath of the Wild. Um... This does also mean that the Rito of Wind Waker were based on the Rito of Tears of the Kingdom, exactly in keeping with our original yes, theory <laughs> that Volu based them on the Lost Rito. How do you feel about that one, Crystal, that we called that shit? <laughs> That's a pretty good call. Good call. We're approaching Breath of the Wild. Uh, new details of the past. Sidon had a, a crush on an older woman. <laughs> yes, that he That's saw funny. as a big sister figure. A secondary big sister figure. She was just so cool. I don't know what to think about that. Let's talk about it later. Yeah, that's definitely a Zora's Domain kind of conversation. Okay. Uh, the events of Breath of the Wild happen. Confetti. That's true. Breath of the Wild does. Oh my god, we're getting to the five-year gap. Yes. Well, I, I, I say five-year gap. Crystal, how many... How how We agree that it's multiple years past between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the King. I am choosing to believe it is real-time six years. So aligning with the time between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom's release. Yes. Yeah. I could buy that. I think that makes sense. Okay, Crystal. Do you, do, what do you see as being like the big stick out points for what passes between them? Like when you boot up Tears of the Kingdom, where do you go, huh, that's weird. The castle was saved for last when it comes to renovations. Yeah. That's true. Well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, villages, like Dea Village is still in ruins and shambles. True. So there's a lot of villages. That they, are... they seem to be focusing primarily on rebuilding um, networks and roads between the existing villages. Yeah, I think the thing about Breath of the Wild, though, is like the world continued on, even after the Calamity. And the towns were in pretty good shape. You two aren't bringing it up, so I'll do it. Where'd the Sheikah Tech go? <laughs> I was going to get to that. So, where does Sheikatech go, Crystal? Number one priority for restored kingdom: we need to dismantle every Sheikatech. We're going to just bust it into a million smithereens. And there's no traces of it left. Not, None. Not of the divine beasts. Not of the guardians. Not of the shrines. Not even the Sheikah slate. It's all gone. Zelda declares Sheikatech illegal. Pura says, this isn't Sheikah Tech, this is Pura Tech. There's a couple of things remaining. Robbie has a... He has his ancient furnace. Yes, he has his ancient furnace. And also the uh, the, the towers have Sheikah uh, guardian arms repurposed. Well, they clearly were able to rebuild them in some way. Here's what I would like to suggest. Um, you know how in Breath of the Wild's true ending, Zelda mentions that Varuta has stopped working? Mm-hmm. You remember that, Crystal? Mm-hmm. 
I would like to suggest that the Sheikah tech was set up so that once the calamity is destroyed, the Sheikah tech would destroy itself. Okay. That's it. That's the whole thing. Because why else would you give up the Sheikah slate and then immediately turn around and finish producing Pura's version of the Sheikah slate, which is the Pura pad? Why didn't it destroy itself the last time the calamity was destroyed? Because it was sealed, not fully destroyed. You don't think it was fully destroyed last time? No, they sealed it away beneath Hyrule Castle. Okay. Oops. They just chuck everything down there. Yes. Um, I think it can be both. I think that there is a, a button maybe on the slate, like, you know, don't need these shrines anymore. Don't need these towers. Uh, the Divine Beast power down. It's just a little flashing note on there. It says, please confirm that the Calamity is dead. <laughs> yep. But also, there's like a lot of like excess stuff that probably just... There was instructions to bust into smithereens. Like the the divine beasts, at least, were only meant to exist to fight Ganon and not for any other reason. So I could see them destroying themselves so that they're not used as weapons of war. But a lot of the super decayed guardians probably needed busting. Yeah. A lot of the ancient uh, weapons. I could definitely see the shrines just like vanishing into yes sparkles. Yep. Because. Everything is super gone, and as much time as six years is, I don't think it's enough time to fully excavate and get rid of all of that stuff. I think it is. Oh, so you think that they got rid of the Divine Beasts and all the shrines manually? Yeah, six years is plenty of time. Mm, I don't know if I buy it, but okay. I think that they destroyed themselves. It can be both. It can... It doesn't have to be either one to the exclusion of the other. I can let this go for now. It's just because we're Americans. We're not used to, like, government infrastructure projects actually <laughs> going through. That's true. Hey, you, I, I hate to be an I told you so. <laughs> no, you don't. I do, actually. You know, morally. Not practically. Practically, I'm relishing it. But, Crystal, do you know what Zelda didn't do a single smidgen of in the past five years? What did she not do? Build the fucking military. Yeah, well, she, she could have used one. <laughs> yeah, she she could have in theory, but not only did she not build a military, she didn't establish herself as monarch at all. Like, she's not in charge of the reconstruction effort. She she is in charge of the treasury, apparently, because she commissions the reconstruction efforts around Hyrule. But, like, she she's not in charge of any of the different projects for uh, examining or research around different parts of Hyrule. Pure is in charge of that shit. I think that what has been going on in the six odd years is that Zelda is coming to terms with the fact of who she is and what she wants to be. And she doesn't really want to be a royal. And she's a little awkward about it. She talks in her journal about supporting the reconstruction efforts that the people are doing this on their own right she's there to protect them while they do that she makes larger decisions to found the zonai research team but, but she's not in someone charge else. Of that. right she's not in charge of it in fact pura can give her orders for yep. zonai research yes she's delegating and she's mostly identifying herself as zelda she doesn't tell the kids she's a princess when she travels, it's often in disguise. That, Even the monuments, I guess royals don't always write princess or king or whatever, but she they dedicates... They do, actually. They super do. No, sometimes they just... Well, maybe. Yeah. Yes, every no. Time. Every but, time. 
the monuments are just written with Zelda. Yes, so that's very specific. Yeah, she's not quite sure about her place in things, which is kind of beautiful. It's nice. Crystal, what do you make of how Zelda's moving through the six-year gap? These people have lived a hundred years without a central government. So it makes sense <laughs> that she couldn't just declare herself the queen. So you think that she wanted to, but could I don't know if she wanted to, but even if she did, she couldn't. But kind of seems like the Sheikah are running things. I mean, to some degree, they definitely are. It kind of seems like the Viziers have taken charge. A lot of the areas, including each town, really, is quite autonomous. Yeah. They're more like a system of independent settlements that rely on each other through collective labor. I have a few things to note and guide us. Okay. One, uh, the monsters never really go away. The blood moon continues. We can infer, although it's not outright stated, that the monster fighting corpse is founded and, and continues on during this time. It's, it's important to note that Link's armor, his whole collection of armor from Breath of the Wild, is almost uniformly destroyed in this. So it can be, even his champion's tunic is torn to shreds. So it can be assumed that he spends most of his time, or at least a significant portion of his time, running around Hyrule, putting down monsters, making sure that the people are safe. He's still using the champion's tunic. That's the one that we it's see. It's patched up. It's patched up, yeah. Yeah. But would you agree with that, Crystal, that it seems like he spends a lot of his time whooping asses? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first up on the chronology, I think, because it ties into the true ending of Breath of the Wild, Zelda visits Sora's Domain, which is recounted on Sidon's tablets. Right. Okay, yeah. And gives an apology, and they're all like, look, you, you were holding on to the Calamity for 100 years. Don't sweat it. All is forgiven. We met you on your worst day. And you've done better since then. Uh, along the same time as this, although it's not expressly mentioned here, they started work on Mifa Court and a brand new statue. Yeah, that wasn't revealed just yet, it seems like. Yeah, because there's this total surprise to later. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes, but Sidon notes it on the, his tablet, so... The construction yeah. of Mifa Court has started, but yeah. it's not something that Zelda needs to know about. And he wants a commemoration of his bestest friend. <laughs> his best friend for all time. Um... Zelda's visiting different lands, and at some point they return the Master Sword to the Lost Woods. That's memory one. No, that's from them retrieving the Master Sword. Right, yes, sorry, yes. They do take... The, the Master Sword is still in fairly bad shape, all things considered. Yeah, I would say so. So probably right after Breath of the Wild, they drop off the Master Sword to give it time to bathe in the holy power of the Deku Tree and recover. Yeah, I put that after the visit because it's still on his back... In the true ending. So. Oh, yeah. Stands to reason. Um, Hudson is tasked with reconstructing Hyrule. Yes. His company. Yeah, he's commissioned. Based on uh, how well things went in Terrytown. Because Terrytown canonically was built. Zelda does note that... Feel free to jump in anytime, yeah. Crystal. Mm-hmm. The people and their, their strong wills are Hyrule's greatest treasure. And not any golden triangles. Zelda moves into Hateno. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that does happen. It, it, and and she has a house. Crystal, tell us about Zelda's house. <laughs> Zelda lives in the house with one bed with Link in Hateno Village. <laughs> now, Crystal, some people argue that Link obviously never was in Hateno Village during the six-year gap. Why would people say something so foolish? 
<laughs> because there's some people in Hateno Village who don't seem to refer to Link living there. And some like some t- there's a few people in Hateno Village that don't even seem to recognize him. It's a big city, town. It's big town. It is the largest Hyrulean town, but what do you make of that, Crystal? I think he was spending a lot of time at home. I think if there's not a calamity going on, Link is mostly sleeping and eating. That's my sort of man. He's definitely, I think one of the notable things that happened in the six years is that he became a little bit quieter. He's less jokey in Tears of the Kingdom. That's true. No more seal puns. That's also true. Which is a little sad, but I think he's regained his memories and a little bit of that. Wait. Wait. So, Crystal, what do you think that the living arrangement was like in Hateno then? Well, they slept in the same bed. (laughs) Did they sleep in the same bed? uh, Link built Zelda a well to go do her studies in. That's true. Uh, Yeah, I think that was one of the things that Bolson did along with the construction of the, the school. But... Yeah, she does have her private workspace in which she keeps a, a hair tie from Link. Yes. <laughs> when, she's, when she's going to the office, she goes outside and climbs down a well. Yeah. Yeah, that's her. How does she's her got papers it. stay good in the damp well? It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. It's magic. Fuck off. It's vellum? I don't know. That's probably not good for vellum either. It's fine. Don't the, work. Don't is work. Stop. side room of the house that's the home office? That's no, a well? You can't keep your secret diary in a, in your office. It has to be in a... Why not the basement? What? <laughs> I really don't know about basements. What's a basement? <laughs> the only thing I know that goes underground is the bottom of a well. <laughs> I, I know this will be very strange for many people... I I think that Link only stayed sometimes in this house. I can't imagine him staying in the same bed. Monica cannot come to terms with the idea that they slept together. She can't. <laughs> but Okay, go not, on. Not biblically, literally. <laughs> Maybe sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. Every time they were bivouacking. coupling. When they bivouac out in the wild, Link sleeps in a separate tent or outside the tent guarding Zelda's door. Link sleeps on the floor at the foot of Zelda's bed like a dog. <laughs> or he sleeps outside of the door outside next to a fire every single no, night. No, if he's there, he's somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. Here's the, here's the thing that I love about this, Crystal. Tell me if you love this shit too, okay? You got to tell me if you love it. The thing that I love about this is that this game feeds Z-Linkers more than Z-Linkers have ever been. Skyward Sword didn't feed them this fucking much. Yeah. I agree. And Monica, Monica's been given one of her dream games. And it's just like the fucking, she turns around and goes, wait, they're losing the tension. No, no. <laughs> they're too not- intimate. That doesn't fit Z-Link no, if they're I, sleeping in the same bed. I like, I like Z-Link a lot, but I have to, I am a scientist. Uh-huh. <laughs> I must look at the facts. Uh-huh. And that's. That that Zelda's house. Like, I will celebrate once we come to it, all of the ending and all of that and all of the the general game and the feelings there. But I don't know. Hold on. Let me check something. Let me check something. Let me check something. Crystal, where did Link sleep during the six-year gap? He was just camping outside, I guess. No, seriously. Seriously. Stables. Oh, so you 
you don't think that he was sleeping in the bed? He was obviously sleeping in the bed with his wife, Zelda. <laughs> Thank you. Monica, where was Link sleeping during the six-year gap? I don't know if he was in the bed. Monica's not clear on if Link existed during the six-year gap. <laughs> no, he... But this, I, this I, is maybe this is the I don't I don't think it's definitive. Okay, you know how in the really creepy idol anime, you got to respect the idol's purity or else you're that's impuning not them. it, Cameron. <laughs> it's not. I look. There's only one pillow. I don't know. There sure is. I don't know. He was just curled up around her, treating Zelda like a body pillow. Well. Look, maybe when he was in Hateno, which is probably fairly often a non-zero amount together. Of time. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, she got the but, fucking couch out for him. Is that what she did? No, I think I think that maybe they would have <laughs> stayed together, but also there would be a slight paranoia about appearances, and some people still think of her as the princess. Just so, so all of our listeners and also Crystal know, Monica has begun anime fidgeting. <laughs> She has started uh, smushing my uh, uh, wrist breast. Okay, so your suggestion is that Link and Zelda were not always together during the six-year gap. I, they're mostly together. Okay. Zelda says in her diary yes. that Link so, goes, yeah. when she goes, Link's with her. Okay. I don't know about staying in Hateno is the thing. And I would be very happy if they stayed together in the same house, in the same bed. The fucking... Fujibayashi comes out and says, okay, fellas, everybody, who all the Z-Linkers out there, here it is. I just can't here's, say for sure. Here's the gap where you can say, okay, they're definitely married no. and they're living together and they're having these sweet, <laughs> intimate moments. No. And Monica goes, I pretend no. I do not see it. No, I, I would be happy if that were the case, but I must be the devil's advocate to say, I don't know if there's textual. You ship Twilight Princess Zelda and yes. Twilight Princess Link. Uh-huh. But that's mostly after the game. To the exclusion of Mid-Link and Mid-Zelda. Yeah. Okay. I would be happy, very happy, if they were spending the six years in domestic Z-Link really is straight Yuri. Z-Link is actually straight Yuri. And it's the kind where you also have to preserve the emotional purity of their relationship. You know how some people, some absolute fucking dunderheads will argue that Yuri isn't lesbianism because it doesn't involve sex and could never involve sex? Uh-huh. Same thing. <laughs> I I just, look. Yes, that is why, that is why Z-Link is straight Yuri. Yes. I would be happy. I'm just saying, if somebody were to go, look, we don't have concrete stuff about this, I'd be like, yes. That's all I got. Sure. That's all I got. Looking at a delicious cinnamon bun, and you're like, I would be so happy to I'll eat, eat the cinnamon bun. I would love to eat the cinnamon bun, but I'm not going. If it was real, I would eat this cinnamon bun. And it's like, Monica, just poke the fork okay. in it. Are I you cannot. both saying the cinnamon bun is real? Yes. yes. Okay, Jesus. okay, I'll eat the cinnamon bun. I'm saying. I lived in domestic bliss. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm I've, happy. I'm so happy. I've been saying since the start, like, I'm that guy who goes, listen, Link really loved Mifa. But, you know, she's been dead for many years at this point, And it, I, I would be fucking willfully ignorant to pretend that this game wasn't Z-Link as shit. And that that gap had them living together. I, I, I just think that the Z-Link can be independent it doesn't even 
required that they have lived together. But I'm very happy if you and Crystal, you know, people who aren't always sealing say that, I feel more confident to say, okay, I will eat this cinnamon roll. The cinnamon roll does not require me to eat it to be delicious. (laughs) 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 Oh, fuck. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. Oh, oh my. Zelda found a school. <laughs> what? Zelda did found a school. She did do that, yes. Yes. She, she, she did. She did. And starts teaching there because there's a, a lack of adequate teachers. teachers. Yeah. Simon. Simon? Simon? Pura's assistant is brought in as a teacher. He's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. Uh, and Zelda also acts as a teacher. Yeah. She's Miss, Miss Zelda. Zelda. And so all the kids love her the most. Nobody has drawn any pictures of Simon. Everyone draws pictures of Miss Zelda. I think Simon might have. She has all the pictures. Yeah. Negative five pictures of Simon. Uh, Link's outfits start being torn up to shreds because he's accompanying her everywhere. She notes this. And killing all the monsters. And I'm sure like she's making, again, visits to other places in royal capacities, but also sneaking away. In, in, or dis, under disguise. As she does. Uh, because she goes to Luralyn. In disguise. In disguise. And has a vacation. And has vacations there. And goes to the heart-shaped lake at sunset to see the fairies. And Link's probably there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is, this is before they sit underneath that tree and just neck for a while. <laughs> in but, case our listeners are too young to know that particular bit, necking means to make out. And... You know, devotes monuments to to the, the people lost in the tragedy. Yes. There's a whole bunch of things she does that you come across. Crystal, what's more Z-Link between this game and Skyward Sword? Uh, definitely this game. Okay. Wow. Monica's brain just short-circuited. Yeah, no, no. I, I'd say this one is like, again, it, it's very much people who have a relationship with each other. They're two very different kinds of Yuri. Skyward Sword is much more pining. They're at the... Oh. Pine? Yeah, they've had... It's a friendship that... It is before the confession. Yeah, it is before the confession. Tears of the Kingdom is post-confession. Yeah. Is that an accurate description, Crystal? I don't know. I think maybe at the end of Zelda 3, they might finally confess. (laughs) So you think that they were sleeping together in that bed, and Zelda's just like, now this is only natural for us to do with you as my guard, that you stay as near to me as possible at all times. I wasn't kidding about this being straight Yuri. Oh. (laughs) You know what? I guess you're probably... I haven't read a ton of Yuri, but yeah, okay. If you say that, I believe you. This, this It only makes sense for us to sleep together like this, and it doesn't mean anything in particular. Now, put your arm around me. I'm a little cold. Yes, just like that. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, never, I'm not going to stop doing that. In touring around Hyrule, Zelda encounters an ugly-ass horse. <laughs> oh, man. Crystal, the- what did you think of Zelda's horse in this one? You're saying it's an ugly horse? It's so ugly, Crystal. It's just a horse. Nobody wants it because it's so hideous. It's just a horse. Crystal, please describe the horse for our listeners who may not know what the horse looks like. I can't picture the horse in my mind, but I don't remember it looking particularly ugly. It's the golden one. That's supposed to be ugly? It is bright, bright, garish, shiny, shiny, golden. Yellow is my favorite color. It is a beautiful horse. <laughs> I named it Honey or Honeycomb or something. 
Everyone likes yes. honey. Everyone does, Everybody like, does honey. like honey. Anyway, she befriends this horse that had been shying away from everyone else or something. Oh, are we going through the... Yeah, the stable. The stable stories. Is this the first one? It might as well. It's, it's hard to... I mean, it it makes sense for her to get a horse. She's touring around. Yes. She's makes, asking, talking to everybody. It makes sense for her to get a horse to go touring. She takes a photo of the horse. She, she has this giant golden ass horse that is blinding under direct sunlight. And she rides around on it wearing a fucking Hylian cloak and calls herself in disguise. When she rides into Lurland Village, all the villagers looking around like, gee, I wonder who rode into town on the golden horse this month. Uh, she sets up a garden with the very avid gardening fan. She commandeers gardening tools from the stable. I think this actually happens just before shit goes to shit. Yes. I, sorry, I did not link these two chronologically. Oh, I see. Anyway, please continue. Was it meant to be a, a uh, what do you call it? Sanctuary for rare flowers and so on? Yes. It's yes. meant to have a little bit of everything there. What else happens? If- she... <laughs> She advises on goat food. She does advise. What the fuck does she know about goat food? Yeah, what does she know about she's... goat food? <laughs> she knows acorns are nutritious. You could add them in. Yeah, but pine but cones? But grind them. Wait, wait, sorry, pine it was cones. pine cones. Grind up those pine cones. Do you think... I'm sorry, Crystal. I didn't quite catch. Do you think she should or shouldn't know about goat food? I don't think she would know very... I th- well, she might abstractly, scientifically know about goat food. But she's not raising goats. No, no, at most she read out of a book or got some advice from some actual ranchers in Hateno. And then she presumes to go around and give advice to people running the stables. They seem to appreciate it, and it is a little bit confusing. Uh, Everybody appreciates advice from Zelda when it's advice that they really shouldn't be appreciating. It's like they're all just standing around clapping because she had (laughs) ideas that you wouldn't attribute to a princess. I don't get how she invents a meatball. <laughs> okay, can we talk about the fucking meatball quest? No, Crystal, this do you one I the... do understand. Because she probably eats more meat than the average person. Uh, really? Yeah, she's a princess. Okay, please, exp- Crystal, please recount this quest for our listeners. The meatball quest? I didn't do this yes, one. The... Okay, well then let me tell you about the meatball quest, both for Crystal and for our listeners. The way that it works is you meet... God fucking help me. Some members of a research team out in the woods who they're waiting for them to arrive at the stable. And the stable hand is like, man, I wonder where my chef friends are. We've really been waiting for them. And I can't wait to see what new recipe they bring from out in the wild. They're going to share a recipe from Princess Zelda. A recipe from Princess Zelda herself. And you go down into the woods, and you find these poor motherfuckers. They're all laid out, like, oh, I'm dying. Just out in the middle of their camp with, like, four tents. And like, oh, I shouldn't have put monster parts in the Gyudon bowl. Oh. And you go over to them, and you're like, man, what, it, what the fuck happened? And they're like, we changed the recipe from Princess Zelda. We thought that we could build upon it. And it's like, okay, fuckers, what's the recipe? You have to make rice and meat and salt. And it's like, fucking excuse me? Rice and meat and salt. And, it's and like, don't you, add monster guts. To please don't add monster guts. And it's like, you you want me to make this? And it's like, please, if I could taste it, I could get my strength back. It's like, all right, motherfuckers. It's like, follow the recipe exactly. Meat, fresh meat, salt, 
and rice. It's like, okay, no prime meat, no gourmet meat. Here I fucking go. You make up your, you make a beef bowl. It's like, all right, great. And you hand it to the guy. It's like, ah, oh, this is it. This is the exact dish that Princess Zelda described. Okay, everybody. And then he shares that one bowl with the rest of them and they all regain their strength. And it turns out they made themselves sick because one of them substituted monster parts for meat. And it's like, oh, I can't believe that I sullied Princess Zelda's recipe like that. And it's like, you fuckers are chefs. And you're telling me you can't make a meat with rice bowl. And we're going to sit here and pretend that Zelda invented putting meat on rice. Zelda grew up with professional chefs making her all the finest meals in the kingdom. So she knows a thing or two about cuisine. Her favorite food is fruit cake in the Japanese style. I think that everybody is so overwhelmed with the concept that there's this person that held back the calamity for a hundred years and she's just walking the earth. She's now. God walking around. Yes. And that makes a big deal of everything. And it's also what mortifies Zelda mildly. So one time when she's a bit hungry and she's like, Link, you're a great cook. Can you make some food like with me? And he's like, yeah, here's the meatball. They instantly attribute this invention to Zelda. This I don't think invention. she even cooked it. No, no, she didn't cook it. She that. just wanted some, some, some rice and meat or something. And he did that. And now it's been tooted as the grand recipe. And she's like, fuck, I just, I, can I just not be the princess? I love the idea that Zelda's getting fucking reflexively infantilized by everyone around her, where it's like, okay, time to dust off my boots before I go inside. They're like, oh my god, dusting off your boots? Crystal, what do you think of the meat-rice story? <laughs> meat and rice is a classic con, but I think Monica is on the money that basically anything Zelda says is going to be treated as amazing because she is god incarnate. And it's horrifying. It's, it's mortifying. At the mildest. Oh, don't worry. She gets a few under her belt that should be mortifying for different reasons. Yeah. Do we want to talk about that part? Or should we save it? Because I, I feel like we'll forget if we don't talk about it. I. You're thinking about the Gerudo. I sure am. I couldn't find It's not in Reader's Diary. Does Reader just mention it? I believe so. Okay. We both know that it's there. Zelda and Link visit Riju. Uh-huh. Crystal, mm -hmm. do you know this part? No. Oh. Okay, buckle up. Okay. How <laughs> bad could it be? Monica, please continue. Or should I, I tell it? You can tell it. I don't know where the lines are. Okay, so I'm going to go off of memory. And our listeners and Crystal, you will forgive me if I misquote a little bit. But basically, Riju is setting it up so that her people are training to defend against whatever monsters might come out of the desert, because even with the Calamity gone, that's always a concern. And she's trying to organize, Riju is trying to organize the city guard after the fall of the Yiga clan so that they don't have to worry about inner security so much as pushing out into the world and reclaiming parts of the desert. But she's not quite sure how to get all of it working together. And Zelda says to Riju, well, I think that... One way to um, better your ability to secure your realm is that the Gerudo could get more in touch with the desert. And it's like, white girl, what the fuck did you just say? She comes out here and tells the Gerudo to get more in touch with the desert. I will fish out these lines. Please. During the Gerudo quest. I won't forget. Okay. It is 
It is a little more. I read that and I went, you said what? To who? That's something Zelda would say. The fact that it's something that Zelda would say is terrible. How is that fundamentally different from her telling goat farmers how to how to how to goat farm? Here's the thing: it's not. It's not exactly. It's, it's just a lot bigger. It is bigger. It's like if somebody tries to tell a goat farmer how to farm, and they're a sheltered person, you just kind of pat them on the back and go, "We'll talk about it later." Well, right? <laughs> they say that shit to the queen of the Gerudo, who have lived in the desert for a million billion years. That they need to get more in touch with the desert. You take her outside and you go, you can't go back in there for three or four days. I will try to smooth this over. Go home. I think that the goat farmer one is less bad because Zelda is a scientist. She may have spent some time analyzing Hylian pine cones. Sure. That really are only edible to Hylian goats once they're ground up. Okay. I don't. I cannot explain the Grudo thing. Also, it's not racist. The pine cone thing isn't racist, right. <laughs> unless it's like we're going through an, an exceptional fiction crafting exercise where Zelda spent a lot of her youth a hundred years ago with Urbosa because Urbosa was married to Zelda's mom, and therefore she was like, you know, a hundred years ago there were some different things that the Grudo had lost touch on, and these are what. Look, are. if Riju had said that Zelda quoted Urbosa. No problem. Some problem. <laughs> but not as big a problem. This quote is not attributed to Urbosa. I know. This idea is not attributed to Urbosa. It's like, girl, sit down and get back in your lane. In that order. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's near the beginning. of. It's near the beginning? Of the okay. Gerudo thing. I'll, I'll come across it during that, that time. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. We won't forget. Okay. Uh, Zelda gives a rousing speech to the Zonai relic team. Right. Which is uh, fundamentally Okay, can you read the the actual thing that she said? Crystal, did you do this one? No, I didn't do most of the stable quests. Oh, okay. There is a stable stable close to Elden. It's the Foothill stable. No, tell it chronologically. I need to get the line. Okay. Mainly the reason I fell off the stable quest is because every single one of them was... Hey, I think Ganon might be having a Zelda puppet. Funnily enough, most of them don't do that. So I just ran into all the ones that did in a row. Yeah, yeah you luck. ran into like you yes. ran into like the four or so that do that. Wow, that is bad luck. That is singularly bad luck. Yeah, and the, like the Giga ones are really funny. Most of them, but did you do the chicken one? No, nope. oh, Crystal, you have to do the chicken one. I haven't done the that. prophetic chicken. Oh, you didn't know you didn't find the all clucking cuckoo. I did the one where Zelda borrows a boat and doesn't give it back, or she borrows yeah, a shovel or something for the garden. Yeah, uh, I did the one with the bands. Uh, you know, as you do, because you you need that to get your armor. Those are the ones I remember. Well, the all clucking cuckoo, which isn't going to be covered in this segment because it doesn't involve anything that Zelda did, is a prophetic chicken that will tell people's fortunes. Oh, yes, I did do this one. Oh, okay. You can actually find several of the people that it gave those fortune predictions to later in the game. Yes, they're wandering around and refining their life. I can't get the full quote. I'm sorry. but What were we talking about? The the stirring speech she gave to the researchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about exploring all other paths, not you know confining yourself to You're traditional measures. Unencumbered by orthodoxy. Yeah, yeah. Where unencumbered by the past, and, and she's 
she's in a, a good space to talk about this. She's like, we have to get out of our labs. We have to get out into the wild. We have to see the world unencumbered by what we think is supposed to be done. And they took it to be... And they understood it. And I'm sure that this joke makes a lot more sense in Japanese. They heard, explore the wilds in underpants. So you get to this fucking stable, and it's just a bunch of guys hanging out in their underwear. Uh, yeah. About to attack a monster base and die. The stable hand is a woman, and she's standing 200 meters away from the stable with her two dogs. And she's just like, I'm not going over there. You're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good quest. It's a, it's really funny. It's pretty funny. And I, I can imagine that Link just like, yeah, okay, well, here I am in my underpants. Immediately takes off his clothes. Yeah. Uh, and one of the final things we also think that was on her way out was she saw a stable quite heavily infested with monsters and they shoved rocks into a well to block it off. Yes. Link could not have been with her at this point. Or they might have had to leave urgently. Link could not have been with her at this point, because if Link was with her, instead of taking the time to fill up the well with rocks, he would have gone down there and killed all the fucking monsters. Oh, and she found Dondons. What do you think of that, Crystal? Do you think that Link would have killed all the monsters? I think Link will follow Zelda's lead. We're in a rush. I don't buy this. No. No, I refuse. I'm putting my fucking foot down. Unclear. Link is not going to suffer these fuckers to live right next to a human settlement. There's no human settlement there is a thing. It is a stable. It is a stable. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Did you find the Don Don's crystal? Nope. Do you remember um, in the first real trailer where they were like riding a yak or something down into the depths? Mm-hmm. That creature is actually a Don Don, which is, according to um, the god of horses, the ancestor of all horses. The ancestor? Oh, yeah. Don Don. Don Don, ancestor of horses. Cute and little it, guy. Yeah. I'm going to get a picture of it for you. So hold on. And they're found in the Farron region and are shy, and there's only about five of them. And a whole lot of people talk about them. I assume because they were going to play a larger part in the plot, but then they had it stripped. So now there's just fragments remaining. Here, Crystal, look at these little guys. They're so wide uh-huh. and low to the ground. You know what's fun about them? If mm-hmm. you feed them luminous stones, then they'll poop gemstones. Oh, that's amazing. Right? Yeah. Uh, but it's mentioned in so many stables and all over the place that I can't help to think that there was a larger part in the plot, but they just sort of said, well, we can't really fit it in. This is what remains. Including, like, they're in the trailer, but only... Only here. All they do is kind of shuffle around, eat, and yawn a lot. And if you look at them up close, like in this image, you can tell that they always look very sleepy. Sleepy guys. They're just sleepy guy. Okay. So Zelda finds an ancient species and preserves it and sets up part of that stable to be like, hey, take care of these guys. And she's like, you know what I'm not going to do? Build an army or try to (laughs) set... She does like create connections between the disparate peoples of Hyrule and try to set it up so that goods and people can flow more easily between the different nations. She's mending relations, yes, and apologizing for, you know... The calamity. Yeah, and the, the kind of shitty kingdom that was before this. Yeah. That she's not sure she wants to continue on, Yeah, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. Is she going to Crystal? Is she going to inherit her family's onsen? Yeah, of course she is. Oh, okay. <laughs> she will learn about the importance of the onsen. Um, I think that the Zonai survey team was founded before the gloom emerged. Yes, that's true. The timeline when you get to around this point gets a little bit fuzzy and weird because you'd think that the gloom would be an issue before certain things happen. But no, a lot of things start spinning towards the Zonai direction. Yeah. Even before that. So Zelda actually is still connected to Destiny and Prophecy and so on. Zelda, much like the Book of Medora and somewhat later the rest of the Zelda fandom, focused on the Zonai immediately after Breath of the Wild was over. The the three big ideas of the Zonai survey team, I don't think were determined by her, though, because this must have been uh, after the upheaval, because we don't think the shrines appeared, right? No, no, that that's after the upheaval. Or the chasms? Sure. That's the upheaval. Okay, because that's part of the three big tasks for the team, and I'm like, well, clearly Zelda didn't direct them on that. Uh... The gloom starts spreading from the castle. Are we missing anything that happened during the five years? Six years? Yunobo started the company. Yes. Yunobo got corporate. Uh, Paya took over as the chief of Kakariko Village. But those are things we can probably, like, all of these things are things we can probably leave for when we talk about those specific areas, I think. I think, do we think Paya stepped in before or after the upheaval? That's a great question. That's a great question. And I, I think it was after. Okay. But Unobo definitely started a corporation because Death Mountain really cooled down. And there was a genuine worry about running out of resources. The way that he put it was he started, instead of everybody getting together, he started a corporation so that everybody could uh, be paid for their work. What's payment? <laughs> What's payment? That's a great question. What does payment mean for a culture in which you eat rocks? Because the message I got from this is that, oh, the, the Gorons are so lazy that they won't even work to save their own town unless it's within a corporate structure. But, that, they, but that's plainly not true because Unibo had a bunch of guys working together. Right. They, they needed to bring in Hylians, and there's like a big Hylian team of part of this corporation. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like on some level they just did a corporation because that's what the Hylians would do. That's not Somebody, what the Hylians would do. I think if the Hylians wanted to get paid, they would be like, oh, you know what? That's true. Hylians in this game actually just show up and give their labor freely and share their resources freely with each other unless they're selling to Link. They're, they're running a shops and so on, but it's like... Yeah, but when it comes to actually doing labor and yeah. rebuilding, they don't ask for shit except for room and board. Right. Uh, they No, okay. The Gorons wanted to ruin the gem economy. <laughs> okay, go on. We, we, the gems to... are not as valuable as they once were. Oh, that's right. They wanted to make it so that gems were more affordable so they could force down the prices. Yes. So what Unibo did was he got everybody together to dig up lots of gems. So in order to defeat capitalism, you must set up a company. Is Unibo's idea. Well, I mean, he's like 19 at this point. I don't think he's defeating capitalism. No, he sure isn't, Crystal. <laughs> he just <laughs> He also kind of accidentally started the corporation. I'd go on. Because he explains it as like, yeah, I just started mining and then some guys came to help me. And before I knew it, you know, I filed the articles of incorporation. (laughs) God, that makes me. 
this isn't saying that you should watch more of it, Crystal. I'm just saying it off the top of my head because it reminded me of it. Is that one of my favorite parts of Witch from Mercury is when they start going through setting up the corporation that they make and they have to go through like all the different articles and setting up like uh, their stated intention as a company and what the corporate structure looks like. And it's like, man, this is fun in a way that Gundam usually isn't. And that was Unibo trying to figure out how to sell rocks and not sell rocks. Before he starts selling street rock, which we'll get to later. Hey, Crystal, remember before this podcast recording got started, you said that you thought we'd get to the start of the game? Uh-huh. Time to read some emails. No, I think we're no, at the start not. of the game. It's not time to read emails. <laughs> I think we're at the start of the game. What else no, is there? No, we're genuinely not at the start of the game. Bloom is, is appearing in the castle. Uh, <laughs> Zelda hides a new tunic that she's making for Link in the castle. In the, in the- that's we, a weird place. We are at the start of the game. We're not reading emails. This podcast is too long already. <laughs> oh, we're not reading any emails today? We're saving emails for next week. Okay, we'll do one email. Just just one. Okay, better be good. Okay. Uh, and I think that this is but a conversation. Before we jump in there, firstly, are we missing anything from the six-year gap? Or can gloom start to emerge from the castle I that th- is making people sick? I think we can just, like, Link and Zelda go and get the Master Sword to examine the glue under the castle. Yes. We are now at the start of the game. We're at the start of the game. Titles. Title card. I love that title card. Press new game. I love the tiny little title that appears in the black. Okay. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and read an email from July 11th because it's relevant to a conversation that we had earlier. And I think that it's important to establish certain things about how this podcast and Zelda relates to the real world. So we've got an email from Jamie. And Jamie writes, Dear Keepers of the Book, I'm nearly 10 minutes into your first Tears of the Kingdom episode, but as a transgendered Jew with an undergraduate degree in religious studies, I have to respectfully push back against Crystal's repeated, albeit playful, digs at Cameron about the practice or even existence of Christianity in the world of the Legend of Zelda. Now, to move on and summarize a little bit, she points out that there's lots of different religious symbols throughout the first Legend of Zelda that pulls from different faiths and different cultures, and that the different faiths and cultures don't necessarily have to be real for those symbols to exist in Zelda. And more than that, that Japanese culture, especially in science fiction and fantasy, treats Christianity and many other religions like Norse mythology as being just a fantasy setting in and of itself. And that this doesn't require us to uh, engage with the real world version of Christianity, which all of us are in as people who live in North America are inundated with every day of our lives, Christian values everywhere. It's oppressing us from all sides. Why do we need it in Zelda? And I think that's a perfectly fair thing to say. Okay. But I would also like to say, and Crystal, I think that you would probably agree with this, that you cannot get away from the influence of the real world on The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, I guess let's let's talk about this. No bullshit. No joking. This is very, ser- no very serious over discussion. Christianity, the worship of Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God, does not exist in Zelda. Right. However, right. there is... Some kind of religion in the first three games that borrows iconography and rituals 
from real world Christianity. Yes. I think it's worth noting that it's not just the cross that's used here. Um, the magic book in the first Zelda game is a Bible in the original translation. Um, and when Link uses the Book of Medora to pray and link to the past, he actually crosses himself in the Catholic style. I think it really speaks to how in, in Japanese fantasy stories, when they're thinking about Western fantasy, Christianity is as mythical or realistic as Norse mythology. It's Arthurian, basically. Yes. Christianity is Arthurian legend. It's devoid of all of a lot of the weight which we in North America experience. Right. And I don't think that it's a bad thing to treat with that seriously. Because, like, in... The, and, Crystal, I'll actually go a step further than you. And that you've said that the worship of Jesus of Nazareth doesn't exist in The Legend of Zelda. But in the first two games and up through part of the development of the third, I think that actually Hyrule was meant to be a Christian setting. Full stop. Up to when? up to partway through the development of Link to the Past, when they mm. introduced the idea of the golden gods from a distant nebula. I think that it was a mishmash of everything, and it was at the same time as Shinto as it was Christian vibes. We can't get away from fantasy that's based on Western uh, aesthetics so far. Like, we can't get so far away from it that we can divorce ourselves from the influence of Christianity on Western fantasy. Like, you, you can't watch Lord of the Rings without feeling the deeply Anglican uh, reality from which Tolkien was writing, for instance. Yeah, like, I mean, a thematic analysis would include considerations of existing religions or cultures. However, while I think they do borrow the iconography and the rituals, there's not really a ton of Christian theming in Zelda in the way that there absolutely is in The Lord of the Rings. That's true. It is very much uh, an aesthetic version of Christianity. It is Christianity as set dressing, but I would argue that it is still Christianity, speaking seriously. Now, that's, um, from a Christian perspective, that's deeply heretical and deeply disrespectful. Uh, there's various Christian people that I've spoke to that really liked the ongoing themes and messaging of the Zelda games. Well, I was raised Baptist. <laughs> well, yeah, that's on you. That's on me. That's on, well, that's on your parents. Yeah. Yeah, Southern Baptist, that is definitely on my parents. But, um, yeah, I I guess the thing is that we don't do... The, we, we do this podcast to poke fun at each other and at the Zelda games while talking about fanfic just for a few hours every few weeks, right? Like, that's the ultimate goal yes. of the podcast. I mean everything in complete seriousness, though. Yeah, that's the thing about Monica is she usually does mean everything in complete seriousness. I don't usually shit post. She doesn't. Shit posts are serious. Like, Crystal, would you describe yourself as having a dry sense of humor a lot of the time? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, here's the thing about Monica. She often doesn't understand dry senses of humor. Like, it just flies right over her I'll head. I'll take it seriously. Including unless... when I do it. I can sometimes read humor. Sometimes. It's not every time. Not every time. But, like, we're, we're not going to be able to get away from Christianity in Zelda because Christianity is one of the foundational aesthetic aspects of this series. And it still exists. It changes how we view uh, even the deeply Shintoist portrayal of Zelda's bloodline. Like, you can't find an American um, 
Zelda fan who treats really seriously with the lore without comparing uh, Zelda the character to Christ. Probably not. Yeah, it's not really something that I'm interested in trying to tie together, but certainly I think it's it, it, you could make a read of it. And also, I'm really sorry to anybody who finds it annoying, but as the person whose religion and culture is primarily being skewered by these jokes, it's fine. It's really funny. It's funny, and it's going to probably continue. Not super often. We'll try to... No, we won't. <laughs> because it only happens like once every five or six episodes. Yeah. We're not going to hold it back. No. That, that would be the, the content warning, I suppose. Yeah. It's just going to happen sometimes. But I just wanted to treat with that seriously because it's one of... Like, this is an email that was sent to us in good faith with a serious intent. And I thought that maybe we should answer it seriously. Yeah. So thank you for writing in, Jamie. Um, I'm never going to get away from Crystal comparing things torsos to the crucifix. It's just not going to happen. They took that um, shifting guardian and Skyloft and nailed it to a cross or something. I don't fucking know. The Koroks? No, not the Koroks. <laughs> they do crucify Koroks a lot in this game. That did happen. Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me online at Arcane Crystal, patreon.com slash Arcane Crystal. You can listen to this uh, a week early on there. And you can find me at Cam Ryder on uh, Twitter and nowhere else. Uh, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X now. It's still Twitter. I, no, it is not X. I am pushing back on that. <laughs> I don't want to hear you say the word X on this podcast. <laughs> at least not with relation to Twitter. No. If I'm talking about X, it better be the button that I press to hurt somebody. <laughs> yes. It, it's just like the Sky Dome downtown. It's the Sky Dome. It's the Sky Dome. It is not the Rogers Center. It's not. That's a Toronto thing for our listeners who are really confused by Monica saying that. It hasn't been called the Sky Dome in like 20 fucking years at this point. It's why they set Turning Red exactly when they did. Which is just before it was renamed the Rogers Center. Crystal, do you happen to have any Zelda jokes? First off, I want to tell you about AudioEntropy.com, where this podcast is hosted. There are other shows you can listen to on AudioEntropy, like Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast about teenage detectives with stands from JoJo. I play the detective prince, Naomi Shirogorov. Shirogorov is a hell of a name. Yes, investigating the disappearance of the founders of the Mystery Club 20 years ago, and the other campaign... Idol on Disco is the one where the, they play the founders. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty Idol cool. on Ska and Idol on Disco. And you can, of course, join the Audio Entropy Discord with this link that I'm about to manually read out. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> okay, hush, 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 hush. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash discord dot GG slash lowercase a, lowercase c, lowercase y uppercase u the number eight uppercase t lowercase g lowercase s praise god pass the bacon <laughs> crystal would you say uh, who, who is in charge of the uh audio entropy uh fucking twitter account that's a great question i don't know <laughs> okay so okay so we can't just like sick our listeners on whoever it is for a discord link in a pinned tweet Luke listens to this podcast. Luke, if it's you, pin the pin the Discord link, please. Luke, god damn it. Pin it. What the fuck? Well, let's not be mean to Luke. Luke's a nice guy. No, no, Luke has it coming. Luke does not have it coming. 
Luke's gonna get. Luke's gonna hear from me. I'm. I'm respectfully making a request of Luke <laughs> to pin the Discord invite. You have been pushed to the point where you've got to talk through this podcast instead of just going through a DM where that motherfucker don't listen. I hate to look up a Zelda joke. I'll tell you a Zelda joke. Here's one for you. Okay. Um, we're just about to start the game in part five of this podcast episode. <laughs> Is that better or worse than usual? Uh, it's much worse. It is catastrophic. We- How long did we take for Breath of the Wild? Uh, and Skyward Sword. I think four episodes, Breath of the Wild? Ah, we broke our record. Let's fucking find out. But there's nothing else to cover, we think. And we'll probably not need to jump back in time, probably. And the gloom is seeping out from the castle. Let's let's go investigate that. Yeah, we just have five temples, and then we're, we're done. God, no, I'm going to look this up and see how long it took us, because I'm curious now. I I guess, yeah, the, the story of Tears of the Kingdom will go faster. It's on me promises. <laughs> okay, it looks like we started um, part four of Breath of the Wild was when we actually started in on the story itself, unless we transitioned in in part three, Divine Beasts. Uh, I don't think that we did. Skyward Sword... Yeah, it's it, Skyward Sword. We didn't tell it chronologically. <laughs> That's a shame. I don't think it is. Or we just didn't spend that fucking long on the intro, goddammit, because we didn't have to. Well, I really like this new order, and Crystal, thank you for 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 seconding <laughs> this formatting. You're welcome. Crystal, as the unerring host of this podcast, the only member of the podcast who's been on every episode without fail... I do want to thank you for making Monica so happy and yeah. making us wait until episode five to get the title card. You're welcome. Yay. Do you want to do an actual Zelda joke or was that enough of one? No, tell me another Zelda joke. It's on you. Oh, fuck's sake. Hold on. I think there are some in the, the email. No, I'm going to reddit.com slash r slash jokes. I think that well has been... No, it sure hasn't. Oh, I think Crystal's already told this one. This is the problem with us doing as many episodes as we do. That's what I said. Okay. um, This isn't really a joke, but it's from um, user Elder Cunningham. Don't try and eat the chickens in Zelda. They're too (laughs) gamey. Yeah. That gets a stare from me. Great. That's how I know it's a good joke. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.